1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Up podcast. My name is DJ. Uh, my name is not Solly, as you were probably expecting to hear from. Uh, we are scattered kind of all over the country this week. We did not have uh, the disillusion and reassembly of elite men's professional golf on our calendars. Uh, that one kind of caught us by surprise. Um, so apologies there, but we're, we're doing the best we can. We know we got to give a shout out to our friends at Roback. You all know Roback. These guys understand quality. There's only one way to describe Roback: best fit, best feel. Now that we are kicking off the summer, it's the perfect time to load up with the best gear we own. Randy's wearing a Roback hoodie right now. You know that, uh, first of all, their performance polos, they just hit different. They've got the USA theme designs just in time for the 4th of July or their classic solids and stripes. Polos always look clean four way stretch. You've heard all this moisture wicking fabric. Uh, they will get you through a warm summer day on the golf course, I already mentioned Randy's in the performance hoodie. You've seen the performance hoodies all over our videos. The stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. If you want to be relaxed and comfortable on the golf course, you got to wear a rowback hoodie. And finally, the performance Q-zips are a game changer. Nothing beats a rowback Q-zip for an early round of golf. Fall's going, to you know, we're already celebrating summer. We know fall's going to be here before we know it. Don't get caught with uh, with the pants down. Make sure you got plenty of Q-zips that you that you need. Uh, soft, stretchy, comfortable, can't take them off. Feels like we can't go anywhere without seeing all kinds of Roback stuff. So with Father's Day approaching, use code NLU on roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That is spelled r-h-o-b-a-c dot com. 20% off all polos, q zips, and hoodies, and more, I should say, with the code NLU. Summer is calling. Make sure to check them out now. What we're gonna do for you today. I don't think we can really talk about this stuff uh, enough. We've got a lot of lot of new stuff to talk about. A new, a lot of new shit has come to light, Uh, and so what we're going to do is put together kind of like a uh, a little little bit of a variety show. We're going to talk to, you know, some of the seven hundred people that we reached out to uh, to try to get on the show. We're going to hear from hopefully some players. We're going to hear from some legal experts. We're going to hear from some some voices of the fan, which is where we want to start now. No bigger fan that I know. Then this guy who's joining us right now, uh, he, he's just back from caddying at the U.S. Open sectionals. That is, of course, my guy, Big Randy, uh, who is here to talk to us all about uh, you know the PJ Tour developments as well as the call-up of Ellie De La Cruz to the Cincinnati Reds. Randy, hello. <laughs> Greetings. How are you? I'm great. Big comeback win
0: last <laughs> night at Great American Ballpark. Ellie was electrifying the home crowd. Uh, but no, I've, I'm... Happy to to come on, offer some opinions. Um, I, I probably should f- stress to people, although I am in the leadoff spot. Uh, certainly think they're going to be more interesting and well informed uh, people behind me. So
1: sometimes with that leadoff hitter, Randy, you're just looking like maybe maybe a bunt first hitter of the game. Maybe someone lays down a bunt and it's just, it just gets the home crowd absolutely into it. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: A bunt. I'm thinking I,
0: and if not that we, we just got to try to see a lot of pitches. <laughs> I'm trying to give my
1: guys behind me real good looks at the pitcher stuff. I, I think that's exactly right. All right. So let's, let's start here. We did a podcast yesterday. It was very lengthy. Uh, we had a lot of information. We spent all day yesterday reporting, calling everybody trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And as I was, uh, kind of laying in bed, thinking about it afterwards, as you can probably imagine, Randy, this stuff uh, is a, is a little, <laughs> little hard to turn off at times. Yeah. I was kind of thinking, you know, it, it's it's crazy how quickly I think we got to a point of like calm rationality, like, oh, of course, this is kind of what had to happen. And I think that comes from having a lot of super complex information that you're trying to synthesize. And by the end of the day, I think all you can kind of do is be like, all right, what do we know Let's lay down all the facts. And I think what that kind of did, at least you know speaking personally for me, is it almost removes a lot of uh, emotion and reaction to a day that was like uh, incredibly emotional and uh, reactive. And so, Randy, it was fun catching up with you on Slack. You were on an airplane yesterday kind of watching the world uh, burn, uh, and I think probably had a little different impression than us who are kind of trying to button up like what's right and what's not. And I think maybe a little bit more of a, uh, a big picture look at it. And so I'm, I'm curious if you would agree with all of that. And if so, kind of where do you, where do you stand? What was your initial reaction to things yesterday? How'd you hear about what happened? What, what did you think when you, when you saw it? Yeah.
0: Um, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think what's stood out to me first and foremost was just the manner in which I found out about the news And that was through two buddies that have nothing to do with golf. They both work uh, in, well, financial institutions in a finance department and are both more or less glued to CNBC and Bloomberg throughout their work days. They were sending me screenshots of of the news being reported and was like, holy shit, Randy, what is going on? And I'm like, guys, I have no idea. <laughs> like usually Solly and DJ and Tron, they, they'll, you know, I, I would have heard rumblings of this on our Slack or these guys would mention stuff weeks ago. Right. Because we're, we're privy to a lot of rumors and smoke. And, and I think what was most startling right off the bat was just, the pure shock of the news and so that kind of framed my mindset and reaction i feel like for at least a good part of um tuesday and was a lot different i think than anything that i've experienced we've experienced and i think we can get into but I, i think is interesting as we digest and think about what all happened yesterday
1: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's exactly right. And that's kind of where I've, I've kind of come to today is like, all right, yesterday is just about like, Hey, the, the power's off at the house and we need to figure out like what the fuck's going on. Right. We can't just be talking (laughs) about like how dark it is. Like, let's, (laughs) let's try to find the circuit breaker. Let's try to figure out what's going on and like figure out the facts, which, which again, like, I think we did a pretty good job of, uh, of figuring all that stuff out. And now it feels like today things have kind of hit me a little bit more as far as just like, all right, what is, what does all this mean like where where are we going well how did we get here in the first place like you know a bit of it uh kind of feels like you know we got to a point where it was like hey guys the house was on fire and using a lot of house metaphors the house was on fire <laughs> and great news we all escaped there were no casualties uh you know time to fly the fucking banner mission accomplished we rocked them and it's hard now that, you know, the house, everybody's out of the house to not be like, well, maybe we shouldn't have been smoking in bed, right? Mm-hmm. Like why, why was the house on fire in the first place? And I, I think that's maybe if, if I'm teeing you up for some of uh, what you were feeling, or at least what you were kind of sharing offline. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 exactly right. Uh, it, before I get into that too, I, one of the things that made me chuckle throughout the day yesterday, and if I may brag on you and Tron and Solly and... And the work that you guys were doing behind the scenes, reaching out to people, collecting information the best you could, uh, synthesizing that information, not really wanting to rush to judgment. I mean, I, it certainly doesn't make us big J journalists, but there was some of that going on yesterday. And I, I mention it because, you know, some of our good friends, certainly across the pond, old school journalists that you know like to make a big deal about being independent golf journalists and and have poked our way a little bit like when we did the pga championship uh broadcast insinuating that we aren't independent and are getting paid by i don't know the tournaments the PGA tour anyway i just want to say if there was a day ever for independent golf media i think tuesday was it and (laughs) Just being honest, didn't see a whole lot of output out of out of a lot of the guys that claim to be independent golf journalists. So man, that you're aside.
1: fired up today. You're mad <laughs> yeah, as I'm hell. Fired
0: up. I'm mad as hell. I'm <laughs> mad as hell. So initially, I I went straight to Jay Monahan and thinking about it, it occurs to me. And DJ, please jump in and correct me if I'm wrong because I want to I want to make this disclaimer. I I realize. I'm not the most informed person. I do not know all of what's going on. I don't know the specifics. All I can give you is my opinion and interpretation. But to me, it seems like, I don't know, let's say three years ago, somewhere between three and four years ago, when we first started hearing about the PGL and and maybe a Saudi Golf League, there were avenues available if Jay wanted to explore being a bit proactive, being a bit creative in which I think he probably could have gotten to where we found ourselves yesterday, again, three years ago. And that is where I immediately went to is I feel like Jay through I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's like, did they not game out the, the, the Saudi live threat? Did they not recognize, hey, these guys are for real? Did they not know their own house was a lot messier than perhaps they thought it was? Whatever the reason, were they just stupid? Whatever the reason, it seems like we went a long way and there was real damage done to real people throughout the last two and a half years or whatever this timeline has been where, where live has gotten started and emerged till yesterday. And all we did was go in a gigantic circle. And to me, I feel like Jay is at the center of that as the commissioner of the PGA Tour, as sitting in a seat where there was opportunity to get out in front of this, to explore Unlocking more capital, bringing more capital into men's professional golf, exploring a team match play, team golf format. And he didn't do it. And so for me, it just is like, I think then we have to look at all of this through two lenses. And one is a very micro current lens. uh, What you mentioned earlier, if we look at this deal, if if I would have dropped down from space yesterday and somebody explained to me, here's the situation, Randy, here's the deal they are trying to make. Do you think that sounds reasonable? I'd be like, yeah, I honestly, I don't. What other choice do we have? It seems like, yeah, it seems like a good deal, but it's very important to zoom out and to take in this broader, more macro perspective. And that's where I get back to God, I feel like we could have avoided a bunch of bullshit. Guys' lives could have been a lot easier. People like Rory, people like Max. We can get into more specifics. I I mean, the 9-11 families didn't have to be drug into this. And it's like, man, that's tough to ignore. And I, 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 I don't know how you could look at the job Jay Monahan has done to essentially complete this circle. And not just be like, this is a disaster, man. This is awful. Yeah. If you put this case study into any classroom in America, it would have to be, don't do it this way. And I don't know. I called him a moron on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> I went back a couple times. I'm like, the official desk wrong?
1: for the desk of Big Randy. Yeah,
0: I'm like, is that is that too strong? I, you know, and it's like, I just don't think it is, man. He 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 absolutely failed to be proactive he seemingly whether through his own doing or through Liv's doing gets maneuvered into a corner where this looks like the only option he had left and we can get into this too to me it's like this was not a moment of opportunity this felt like a moment of we better do this to save our ass and to then come out and be on like a victory tour and you know, just to pretend that we're all idiots and we didn't live through the last two and a half, three years, it just, I I can't, I can't get down with that. It it just like, come on, man. I've said before, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. No, thank you.
1: Yeah. There's a lot there that none of which I disagree with. I I think a couple things for for context, right? Because I, I think that I feel like we were weirdly, I mean, listen, the the boys say a lot of stuff, so i'm I'm certainly not going to claim uh, claim victory on on any of this, but I, I think we were pretty far out ahead on the PGL stuff of like, hey, man, take a meeting. this This seems like this is so obviously like I remember the first time we heard about the PGL concept. and granted I'm a fucking idiot and I don't know like the inner workings of anything and uh, I'm just who I am. But the first time I, you probably remember like the first time all of us heard about that and coming out of that meeting was just like, Oh guys, like it's, it's like it's not over but it's like kind of over like this is yeah it like this is where we're going and whether it's through this or whether it's through somebody else or whether it's through whatever like the pJ tour feels like it is so small right now compared to what would ever happen if this sort of money like gets dumped in here so I don't I'm not gonna like Monday morning quarterback because I would have fucked it up so much worse and and that's not what I'm trying to say but I think there was that on the table like and to not even acknowledge that is is pretty you know insulting or at at best and and kind of like delusional at worst yeah on the flip side of that, there's a bit of a frog in the boiling water going on where like it's really really hard to change things when the train feels like a runaway success, right like you have all these if you go back over the last three years you have, the new TV deal. You have like the changing to some of the structure stuff. You have like all of these things where it was just like, man, the PJ tour is in better shape than ever. And they just keep, keep stacking up these, like, you know, what look like mini W's now, but I think at the time felt like major, major wins, which I will just jump in and clarify. I think they are
0: wins from a balance sheet. Yes. standpoint, but as we've, I mean, since the inception of NLU, what, what we've bemoaned is nobody in golf leadership, certainly not the PGA Tour, has been proactive. And, and they're not doing anything to change the consumer experience. And and I guess if they are doing anything, it's reactive and at a glacial pace. So, sorry, go no, ahead. No,
1: I, I think that's that's totally right. And that's where I, I kind of go back to that point is like, That's what it would have taken to recognize at that time was like, man, everything's going great. Players are super happy. Purses are going up. TV contracts are bolstered for the next nine years. Things have seemingly like never been better. Okay, let's blow it up just in case this Saudi thing is for real. And let's partner with the Saudis to like totally reshape the structure of the PJ Tour. Like that would have been a fucking dumpster fire too. Like that <laughs> that would have been a disaster. So I just want to be fair, at least somewhat there, that it's like, it, yes, I'm, I'm with you. That like it would that's have been probably difficult. What it should have happened, but I I also get why that didn't happen. I, and that's not a pass. I'm just you know being realistic
0: yeah. here. I I think I don't think it necessarily had to be a dumpster fire. I think with the leadership in place, it invariably would have been a dumpster fire, but I do think there's a universe in which golf has energetic, proactive leaders that may have been able to get out in front of this and thread that needle in that, Hey, I know things are good now, but there are real threats around the corner that it's going to be better for us to get out ahead of proactively rather than reactively.
1: And now I think, like, just kind of moving through the timeline because I I think it's helpful. So now the the PGL stuff comes and goes, and we've talked about that at nauseum, and how the Saudis kind of took that idea and spun it up into Live, and now like we don't we don't really have to relitigate that as fun as it might be. Uh, and so now Jay is kind of on his back foot, like in defense mode, and chooses to to go the route of like legacy, not leverage. 9-11 families you've never had to apologize for being a member of the PJ tour and i think that's the the toughest stuff to to stomach for me and i i don't think this is not a uh, let's boycott bud light like i don't think we're being like reactionary like making this political that is like to what you said randy like, man, you, you can't play that card, which is kind of the biggest emotional card that you possibly have as like an American. <laughs> you, you can't play that card and then show up on CNBC and be like, oh, no, 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 no. Come on. I was just saying what I needed to say. Like, dude, you, you don't get to have it both ways. And I know that this was probably the right thing to do for the PJ Tour balance sheet and probably the right thing to do for the PJ Tour players and probably the right thing to do, like, you know, maybe in, in a macro sense. But Man, from a, a fan's perspective, like, there's no reason that that any of us have to feel good about that. There's no reason any of us have to, you know, not have Fire J. Monahan t-shirts. Like that had to be kind of kind of expected. As complicated as the situation is, you still like, man, you can't play like that. God, that's no, tough.
0: You, it's it's tough. It's tough. And I, I think, well, I think a couple of things. I I think just to underscore. I mean, I, I'm trying to think about the 9/11 victims' families, right? And it, I didn't, know, I, I didn't know anybody that lost their life on 9/11. Um, it's, so I don't know the very real, visceral pain and emotion. But what I can say is, for however many thousands of people, 9/11 has forever changed their life, right? And it has left a hole in their life. And I'm sure these people feel like there has been no justice for their loved ones. And for 20, what, three years, it has been probably the defining um, most important issue in their life, right? And so on the one hand, imagine Jay Monahan last year. Seemingly joining your struggle, right? In- invoking 9/11, invoking everything that comes with it. Sitting on TV and and saying, you know, draw, drawing clear lines between, you know, right and wrong, at least in in certain opinions. And then having that just pulled out from under you. It, that it's tough to overstate for me how shitty that is. And It it leads me to believe, unless we're just dealing with absolute sociopaths, which I don't think we can rule out definitively, it really says to me, this deal, as much as they want to spin it about opportunity and we saw we could do this and, and we had to strike now, it feels to me like it was out of necessity in that we have to do something right now. Or else, the PGA Tour as we know it might cease to exist,
1: and, and that's exactly where I'm at. And, and this is where I'm going to now flip my hat around like completely and go to the total like, put my higher Jay Monahan hat on for just a second, and and just also paint the picture that like, if we don't get through the last year with the PGA Tour intact the way that it is. And I'm not saying somebody else couldn't have done this better, but like just to to call it as it kind of went down, right? The if we lose, I shouldn't say we. If the PJ Tour loses, Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and Victor Hovland and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and eventually Rory McIlroy and, you know, uh, all of these guys. Like, the PJ Tour also doesn't exist a year from now to even do this partnership deal. So, like, there was another way to go where, you know, a year ago, we lose all of those guys as golf fans to to live. And now there is no partnership with the PJ Tour. There is no anything. It's just live and that's it. Like, I, I think you can't really... Overstate like just how quickly the pJ tour could have disappeared with like the not delaying this until this negotiation like got to a point where like what happened yesterday was possible. Does that make sense? It does. It does.
0: and And I think that's right. And again, that's where it's like if if we want to start the timeline on on the merits of exactly what is going on 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 June six and what it looks like going forward it it might be a good deal and the best deal that they can do and and absolutely something they ought to have done but i just go back to i i just refuse to like how did jay and his top associates executives not game out this exact scenario yeah even after live became kind of a thing how are you not gaming out hey they have Uh, let's we have to assume they have an unlimited war chest so what does that mean for us um and and then even again even prior to that with i'm sure they heard rumblings of live and and new leagues and and all of that to not be proactive to stubbornly allegedly refuse to even take meetings take calls that's what i mean i just can't give them a pass totally no i i and I know you're not doing no, that. no, no, but, no. I but, fully but agree. To me, that that outweighs, you know, any good maneuvering. I guess no, I
1: totally agree. And and I think a buddy of mine sent me a text this morning that like put it in a better way than I think I've heard anywhere else. And it was kind of like from five thousand feet, like this fucking sucks, and and this is super super shitty. From ten thousand feet you kind of are like, man, this, this feels like a pretty good deal. Uh, It seems like we're on the right track here. And from 50,000 feet, it's kind of like, this was always inevitable. And how did we like not see this coming? Right. And and that kind of spells it all out for me is like, man, if if you have a leader that has this existential threat coming and doesn't see the 50,000 foot view, then we're going to end up where we ended up today, yesterday. And so let me ask you this is if,
0: if we're to assume that the PIF, the, the end goal was really to, you know, make a huge investment in, in men's pro golf and to gain, I don't know, we'll call it a seat, but it really seems like, you know, a decent amount of power and say, I struggle with like, yes, I see on the surface, like, no, we don't want that. Let's not do that. But again, if it does seem inevitable, then like, let's just let, let's, let's get this deal done in the most effective, efficient manner possible. And then we could have avoided the last two and a half years of, again, you know, real, real pain and and real kind of like we talk about Rory, you know, how many more people today think so much less of Rory than they did two and a half years ago. Our good friend Max, right? The darling of Twitter over the last year has seen, you know, half of his Twitter replies all of a sudden turn nasty. Like, has that been fun for him? (laughs) Phil Mickelson has tarnished his legacy and reputation with a good amount of golf fans. He might not care, but like, that seems like it should matter, and that's where I just get like, man, it seems like we could have avoided a lot of bullshit.
1: not only that, big, but what if I told you we're at like, I think we might be at like halftime here. Like, what yeah, <laughs> like I also don't think that this is just gonna be like, oh, cool, we'll just we'll wave it all through, and uh, you know, we'll see you guys on the first tee at, uh, you know, at the fucking playoffs. <laughs> like, it's all well, gonna so- be wrapped up, and we'll we'll just uh, we'll just move on. We're we're at the so- dawn of a new day.
0: So talk to me about that. I, I think that's where we go next is I, I think the things that really shocked me, uh, caught my attention yesterday in the moment was, holy shit, nobody knew about this. Yeah. I mean, Tiger wasn't tipped off. Rory wasn't tipped off until, I guess, the night before He's sang. Uh, senior executives at the tour did not know. Nobody knew. Why is that? <laughs> And with that, like, I guess, what can we make about the timing of this announcement? Because the other thing that initially yesterday, I think everybody was talking about, this is a done deal, but this is a a proposed agreement of which we know zero actual details for how anything's going to be and consist. And we, we know nothing about it. And yet, yet, everybody is proclaiming we are this has saved golf this, this this is great for the fan this has set up pro golf for the next 10 years and they're just asking us to take their word on it and i have a, a not a little problem i i i have a big problem with that
1: well especially on the heels of you know what i mean man not to be too cute about it but like the 911 thing is a pretty fucking stark example of like Hey, if you're willing to go to those lengths, like I just don't think I'm going to take your word on anything yeah, anymore out of, yeah, out of self-preservation. Exactly. I yeah. think maybe we just kind of see how it plays out rather than uh, really trusting you and, and joining you at the victory party. I'm totally with you there. And I think, so you asked a lot of questions there. You asked a lot of great questions, Big. So like I said, we're going to do a little variety show today. One of the people that we're going to talk to is John Nucci, who's a lawyer and Uh, has been following kind of like the initial live versus PJ tour case very closely. And so that's coming up later in the show. He and I waded into a little bit of that, but I think the headline is like truly don't know. Like we're there's it's hard. I mean, I guess the headline would be this is like, we don't have any fucking details of any of this stuff. So how do we know like what the DOJ is going to do, what the FTC is going to do, what the, you know, what the policy board is going to vote for, what the players are supposed to feel like. Like, I I think this was kind of Mav McNeely put out a a statement and, and of course, like it, it was very lengthy, which I don't think is a bad thing. And I think many people on Twitter do think is a bad thing. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but the reaction that I saw to it was both like, this is a brilliant way to think about this. And also like, I ain't reading all that, but I'm happy for you and or sad that happened. Uh, and I think his letter, which essentially I'm massively paraphrasing, but said like, I was super mad at the player meeting yesterday. I asked a lot of questions. I also have no information to really go off of. I also kind of have to trust the leadership because that's the structure that we're in. And I just, I guess we'll see what happens. And people, of course, are just like, man, he didn't fucking say anything. And he, you know, it's a long <laughs> word, word salad, blah, blah, blah. And I think it just sums up this entire situation, which is like, man none of it is black and white and i know it's so much more fun if it is and i know it's so much easier to be like j bad or j good j dumb j smart rory cuck rory awesome like i know all of that stuff is like very easy but like god damn man that's not what it is and it's so complicated if you want to get into it but i think what's super interesting and this is where i guess i would throw it back to you is at some point, like, does any of that context matter, right? And or are we just going to? Is this just going to get distilled down into a collection of like Phil was right, Monahan did nine eleven, and like Saudi golf league? Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen?
0: Well, I guess I would have to put my shoe myself in different people's shoes because I I think if you're Rory. Those details, and and what ends up happening with, hey, am I gonna get a, a, a metric ton of cash or not? Like that obviously matters, yeah. and, and that's gonna color whether this is a a good thing for him or not. If I put myself in the shoes of myself as a golf fan, whether Rory makes you know two hundred million or not. I don't give a f- – excuse my language. I don't give a flying fuck, yeah. right? It is is pro golf going to be more fun to watch? Is it going to be more interesting? Is it going to be a better television product? That's ultimately what I care about. And I guess cynically, I don't expect much along those lines I expect much more along the former, right? We'll, we'll find a way to take care of Rory and JT and Spieth and Rom and and Scheffler and those guys that that didn't go. I mean, Monahan's already talking about rewarding their loyalty, but and that's certainly one prism in which to discuss all this. But again, I think at the end of the day, the thing I care most about is like <laughs> is when I flip on golf on a Sunday afternoon. Is it going to be better for me? And there are no details. And again, I expect not much in, in the end. And so from that point, it's like, what, what, what am I supposed to get all excited about? Yeah. Maybe eventually we'll have all the guys playing in like the same events. And, and is that better than what it has been fractured week to week? Yeah, that's better, but man, is it worth what we're doing? I think that's another question. honestly. I don't know. I guess I don't know the answer quite yet to that.
1: And big, let me just throw this one out at you too. Like as long as we're kind of trying to say the quiet parts out loud here, we're also not even talking about like the majors, right? Like I know, I know there's a chance that like this allows more of the live guys to like get into the majors. But I would say that all the guys that we would have missed at the majors were already at the majors and nothing really changed uh, as far as fields go. But like, what's so crazy, I was talking to KBV about it this morning, is, like, all of this, like, shit show, If man, if you're, like, getting down to brass tacks and you're being super non-charitable about, like, the PJ Tour's stance in the game, it, is we're kind of talking about, like, how to treat preseason games, right? Yeah. And you're talking about, like, yeah. how many billions of dollars we need to pour into preseason games, when in reality, like, again, if you're most golf fans, all you're thinking about is, like, yeah, I'd love to watch, like, the, you know, I want to watch the memorial so that it kind of lets me know who I should bet on at the U.S. Open, right? And it's like, that's the part that I haven't been able to shake for like 10 years is is that pit in my stomach of just like, man, it seems like the the engine on this, like this ocean liner just keeps getting like way too big for the engine that's driving it. And like, I don't know how, I don't know how like purses can keep going up this much at, on the PJ tour. I don't know how TV rights can keep going up this much on the PJ tour. I don't know how the PJ tour can keep being saddled with the burden of essentially paying the salaries for the whole year of all of these guys without owning any of the biggest events in golf. Like man, it really seems like that's going to have to come to a head at some point. <laughs> and I I think my read speculation, like my read is exactly what you said earlier, which is I think they must have taken a look at the books and realized legal fees. I don't know how we're going to get like, like, let me say it this way. If the designated events stuff seemed like a smashing success and it seemed like, Oh my God, sponsors are lining up for this <laughs> new down our doors, lobbering for it, big. They can't get enough of the designated events. I think if that was what was going on, like, I don't think they're coming to the table to squash a competitor that has no revenue. Right? And, right. and ditto, like right. if live was some runaway success, I don't think that the piff is coming to the table to squash like, you know, to to basically like put a bullet in its own head on on this live stuff. So all of that is to say, like, it just seemed like the the mechanism was just completely out of whack and it seemed like maybe both sides realized that. And now we're in a, another world where everybody is of course like running the same playbook and just, you have no idea how big this is going to be for golf. Mm-hmm. You don't know what these billions of dollars is going to do. At which point I kind of flipped to like, yeah, man, that must be why everybody fucking loves the FedEx cup. Cause there's so right. much money involved. That must be why right. the WGCs ruled so hard was because there was so much guaranteed money involved. Like, Man, unless you bring in somebody who's going to like change this product as a as a fan, like I I really don't see how some exponential growth is gonna happen in the world of elite men's professional golf outside of the majors. Because I I I just (laughs) I I don't think if you're like, man, from the brains that brought you the FedEx cup and the fireballs comes like this product that is just inescapable. You can't turn it off. Like Color me just a, a hair dubious on that, Randy. That's exactly right. And, and I mean, you said it. What benefit of
0: the doubt are we supposed <laughs> to give them? Right? We we've seen a strategic alliance between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour that has created what? I, I can't name a single thing that Scottish has Scottish
1: Open has gotten better.
0: I guess Scottish the Open DP World yes. Tour that
1: still exists. I guess would be another another one. Sure.
0: There's a strategic alliance between the PGA Tour and the LPGA. <laughs> that would make me back I'm struggling to find <laughs> what the PGA Tour has done in their infinite wisdom with their, with their strategic partner to make anything better, right? We're, we're going to get the McGladry Silly Season Exhibition mixed event, which, again, praise a tiny amount of progress. But if that's the best we can do, I have no confidence in the details of this, whatever they're gonna be, of this agreement, like making me more of a rabid week to week pro men's golf fan. I, I just don't buy it. And then you factor in, man, they did like listen to these guys. They they will say anything, they've completely 180 their opinions and and, and again on things that I think carry a little weight, nine 11 (laughs) victims, right? It's not like, call me a Patriot
1: man, but I'm going to go out on that limb and just say, maybe that was a shitty thing to do.
0: It's not like changing your mind about what you're going to have for dinner. Changing your mind can be good, but, but these are kind of clearly delineated, uh, moral stances that we've completely brushed away. And now, you know, we're, we're supposed to, yeah, I know we thought that, but not really. And trust us, this is going to grow the game, man. We are going to bring golf to so many more people. We are inspiring, DJ, young golfers <laughs> like never before totally. to want to chase their dreams. And when, it, when the platitudes get that fucking mundane and just boring and... It's just like nope, nope, nope. Spidey senses are just <laughs>
1: blaring
0: over here for me.
1: Well, I don't trust it at all. Well, I also think it it kind of tips like that there's not anything else there, right? Like that right, that's right. like the the you know the historic talking point of like, man, we don't have much else, but everybody's kind of getting paid. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> well, this is a fucking depressing conversation. Well, <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yeah,
0: man, it it is. It is. And if I can, because again, I was was trying to watch the stream from the plane. The Wi-Fi is a bit spotty. I was following along on Slack a little bit. So forgive me if you guys kind of went into detail, but I, I don't think as much as maybe to my liking, and now we're however many hours later. If you could speculate a little bit on the evolution of the player reaction from when the news initially broke to kind of where we stand now, at least in terms of the more prominent players, how would you speculate that has shifted?
1: So a, a couple things. I've, I think it's interesting not to break up your question, but I think it's interesting not only from the prominent players, but like the divide within the PJ Tour is going to be really interesting because I think the the mood in the room, and, and we're trying to to get some players on this uh, on this podcast. So hopefully we can have that after our conversation. But um, the mood in the room was very obviously not good, and there are plenty, plenty, plenty of people you know just from the stuff that was out there i saw kyle westmoreland who was a you know military veteran stood up and and was essentially like hey not crazy about this man with a pretty unique perspective don't love it uh that yeah. that was interesting i you know there was the thing about Grayson murray calling for jay's job which we touched on uh you know Grayson murray 2024 put put him <laughs> in the role i would say uh but i i think there is from a like you know, forgive Randy, but we have a lot of fun. I'm going to call them the mules from a mule perspective. Uh, I think there's something interesting on like, man, if, if you didn't take the money, it's probably not coming around. Right. Like, I, I don't think if you're, you know, someone like Brendan Steele, a Brendan Steele equivalent, and you, you chose not to take that money. Like, I don't think this, you know, reunification fund or, or kind of the net up make whole fund is coming around to the Brendan Steele equivalents and saying like, man, you deserve your million dollars or 600 grand or whatever live was going to pay for somebody of that ilk. Right. So I mm-hmm. think that's an interesting perspective that like those guys probably have a, almost a bigger beef to be, I wouldn't say bigger. I think those guys have a, a very like legitimate beef with like, yes, what the fuck? Yes. And then from a more prominent player perspective, I got to I mean, this is speculation, like I said, but I'm going off of Rory's quotes in the press conference today. I'm going off a of kind of like sentiment of, of, you know, based around that stuff is like, it, it seems like the guys almost realize like, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it. That doesn't sound so like cold and calculating. Obviously there is some of that in there, but like, I think once you see the, you know, let's go back to the hundred thousand fifty thousand hundred thousand, 50,000 foot view, whatever I said earlier of like, this was always inevitable. And like, it's kind of done like i don't know what you do do you like go riot in the street and say like bring me jay's head do you say like, i'm mad as hell we'll never vote for this knowing that like under the hood a bunch of smart people already looked at it and saw that like the path we were going down was totally unsustainable you know do you know what i'm saying like do you know what i'm yes. getting at like yes. i don't know how you yeah i don't know how you kind of hear that laid out again i'm assuming That had to be part of this. I don't know how you kind of essentially hear somebody lay out like, do you think this was our first fucking option? Like we (laughs) obviously had to do this. Here's the reasons why. I don't know how you like hear that conversation and then be like, yeah, well, I don't like it. Fix it. Like I don't think it's that simple, right? So I I would have to assume that you're going to see a lot of the top players be like, you know, yeah, kind of feel used. That was pretty shitty, but, like, it seems like a lot of positives, right? Like, I just assume that's what we're going to hear from guys.
0: I think that's right. I think, candidly, I'm struggling with the same thing in my reaction. Uh, that I mean, that's what we talked about. You, you can if, – if you start the timeline in 2019, I'm pissed, yeah. man. And this sucks, and you guys are shit. And if you start yeah. the timeline on June 1st of this year, then it's like – um, Yeah. Like I'm not happy about it, but okay. Right. I I guess we have to.
1: And that's what I think Rory just had kinda like a little bit of resignation on his face as he's as he's describing it, right? It's like Yeah. Yeah, would've been would have been sick to not have gone through that over the last couple of years. But like I think we ended up getting it to the best place that we could have gotten it to, considering the course of action that we took, essentially. I guess my only thing
0: where I would have I don't know. If I if I try to imagine myself in rory's position like that uh would would probably be two things and the first is okay i understand this i'm i'm gonna look bad but if if this is what we have to do this is what we have to do with that said jay you can stay on until this becomes a done deal and then we're cleaning house. Yeah. I'm going to need totally new owner uh, leadership. Um, that that we haven't heard guys kind of get to that point yet is frankly very surprising to me, uh, and, and almost the opposite. Where I I, I feel yeah. like we've heard rumblings of guys who are like making impassioned speeches on behalf of Jay, and, and almost being like, "Man, look at look at what he's doing." And, and that I just cannot square with reality.
1: And I think what's really interesting about it is again, I put myself in, in this bucket as well as somebody who is like, basically, you know, my job is to like get on a golf podcast and make dick jokes, right? Like I'm no Titan of industry. Like that's, that's what I'm best at. And so like, if you're, you're trying to like make me into some MA genius or some MBA who should have seen this coming and knows all the right moves, like obviously, man, that is not me. And I think it's pretty clear that it's also not these players, right? Like, I think they're like doing the best they can, but I don't think that they are business geniuses. I think they're kind of like being told what they're being told. And I I don't, I, I wonder if you had other, like I would imagine people around the business world are pulling their fucking hair out saying like, what are you guys doing? But I think that's a much harder spot to get to for a guy who is, whose job is to be like a top 10 player in the world. But, okay. So I mentioned
0: I I would do two things. And I said the first would be, I, I think I would probably caveat any of my statements yesterday with, if this is what we must do, fine. But we need to explore new leadership as soon as this is over. Uh, the second thing would be, if I'm Rory specifically, and I have... Essentially, taken the mantle of quasi PGA Tour commissioner. I I think I I'm not I don't think I, I I'm either not doing the press conference yesterday or uh, Wednesday morning, or I'm saying I don't know. Ask Jay. Yeah. Ask Jimmy. Ask Ed Hurley. Like those guys. Yeah. No, I, think I right. I'm I'm done being the mouthpiece. Those guys are working on the deal. Let them tell you about it. I'm just a golfer. I'll find out like everybody else because it seems to me he's been, I mean, he's been kind of used and honestly burned a little bit through this. And like what if if he didn't want to do the press conference if he didn't want to have to try to sell this like what's going to happen right they're they're not gonna they're not gonna make
1: him hold they're they're like what (laughs) they're not gonna reward his loyalty no and that that kind of gets us back to all our independent contractor stuff right it's not like they're you're getting fined for not doing media like yeah yeah you're you're totally right and that's where again i think it's like here's where all the people who hate the rory stuff can can turn the podcast off but like that's where it's like, man, what, what I'm kind of seeing is a guy that's like trying to do the right thing and trying to keep saying what is on his mind and trying to be honest and trying to suss out all the info. And has he been wrong about stuff? Yes, for sure. Would he have done stuff differently? I promise that he would. But it's also like, I, I don't know, man, it's why we like him. So I really like root form is like it, it. it's very relatable watching someone try to piece, put the pieces together, even when, you know, like man that's probably not the right move and uh, a savvier business shark would have uh, probably shut up by now <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it comes from like a, a place of ego or something like that i think he's just i think no, he's trying I, to do the right thing yeah it
0: almost comes from a place of like dude you're being too nice yeah. you're like for these people like these people are kind of pieces of shit to me <laughs> and, and why are you up here trying carrying their water You got a young family. You got what quarter of a bill in the bank, maybe? (laughs) God dang! I don't. I wouldn't need that. I'll see. I'm flying home. I'll I'll see you at the U.S. Open.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Big. We uh, we heard from Rory today in the press room. This aforementioned press conference. We've got a kind of an edited version of that. Why don't we play that now? Why don't we wrap up this conversation? Uh we'll hear from Rory like I said I you know apologies to our our neighbors to the north but we did add a, edit out some of the questions about Rory how would you play the 18th hole at Oakville. Oh uh this is going to be mostly this stuff related to the PJ tour and the the PIF and things of that nature. So we'll hear from that Randy we're going to hear from you a little later in the podcast. Uh we're going to talk about maybe uh how this impacts the LPGA potentially. We're going to hear from Rose Zhang uh who feels like she won 200 years ago at Liberty national, but we do have an interview with her that we're going to hear. Uh, So let's get to that. And uh, we'll, we'll hear from you down the road. Thanks for letting me vent. Uh, Anytime. A quick break before we move in to also check in with another one of our partners. And that is whoop. This episode is brought to you by whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA tour. You know, this has been quite a week, uh, as as you probably know. So it's it's been some interesting numbers being spit out by my Whoop every night. Had some stressful days, had some a little lack of sleep, but it's nice to kind of see what that sleep debt is. It's going to be nice to see how and when I'm I'm recovered once we're able to get back to uh, sleeping and working some normal hours. Uh, and all of that is possible with Whoop, with everything from personalized recommendations to sleep coaching. WHOOP uses data to provide you with the steps you need to maintain positive routines and build healthier habits. 87% of WHOOP members say they feel healthier with WHOOP. 87% of people say they feel healthier with WHOOP. That seems like a lot of people to me. Uh, Go to WHOOP.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, and use code N-L-U to save 10% on your order. Thank you to WHOOP for your sponsorship. And now let's get back to the show. So first things first, uh, we're going to hear from Rory McIlroy. We are not going to have him on the podcast, but he did uh, media availability today at the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, Spoke for quite a while with the media. And so what we've done here is try to edit down uh, that press conference to kind of the questions and answers that were pertinent to this discussion. Uh, I think Rory is obviously one of the the foremost names in this entire conversation and probably will continue to be so. So rather than trying to synthesize what he said or what he meant or what he thought, we just figured we would roll a lot of this press conference audio uh, and kind of let you hear for himself. So first up is going to be Rory McElroy.
2: Hey, Rory. Uh, yesterday's news...
1: I guess, how and where were you when you received it, and how did it make you feel?
3: Uh, yeah, so um, I got a text message on uh, Monday night, I guess, um, from Jimmy Dunn saying, hey, can I give you a call in the morning? So I said, sure. Uh, Jimmy rang me at about 6.30 yesterday morning. Um, we had a chat, took me through the news, took me through the deal, the structure of the deal. Um, what it meant for us, what it meant for the DP World Tour. Um, so yeah, I I learned about it pretty much at the same time everyone else did, um, and yeah, it was a it was a surprise. Um, I knew there had been discussions going on um, in the background. I knew that uh, lines of communication had been opened up. Uh, I obviously didn't expect it to happen as as quickly as it did, um, but I really think that. You know, from what I gathered, the tour felt they were in a real position of strength, coming off the back of the DP World winning their legal case in in London. Um it sort of weak- weakened um the other side's position and um you know they went in there and you know the way Jimmy described it, you know, Rory, sometimes you got too itty over water and you just gotta go for it. And you know, that's that's uh, you know that's what that's what they did. And um, you know, I think ultimately when i try to remove myself from the situation and i look at the bigger picture and i look at 10 years down the line you know i think ultimately this is going to be um it's going to be good for the 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 game of professional golf i think it secures the uh it unifies it and it and it secures its its financial future so um you know there's there's mixed emotions in there as well uh as as there's gonna be I don't understand all the intricacies of what's going on. It's a very um, uh what's the word? Uh, you know there's a lot of ambiguity there's a lot of things still to be um sort of thrashed out but um at least it means that the litigation goes away which has been a massive burden for everyone um that's involved with the tour and that's playing the tour. Uh, and we can start to work toward, you know, some sort of way of of unifying the game at the at the elite level. Adam, Adam, on the left. Rory, has over the last day with the different meetings and the conversations you've had with players, has your opinion changed at all? Have you sort of started to see where this is all going? And are you... Are you excited about this? Are you optimistic about this? Can I as you project it forward, what do you Yeah, mean? so I mean I think the the one thing that uh I think was really misconstrued last yesterday was you know, all the ha- headlines were PJ Tur merges with Liv, and Liv has got nothing to do with this, right? I mean it's the PJ Tur, D P World Tur, and the public investment fund are basically partnering to create a new company. Um you know this has gotten, you know. I think that's where I was a little frustrated because all I've wanted to do, and all I've wanted, you know, in the past year from basically this tournament is to protect the future of the PGA Tour and and protect the aspirational nature of of what the PGA Tour stands for. Um, and I hope that this does that. But you know, I think with the headlines being merges with Live, like that's not the. I mean, if you look at the structure of how it's structured down, this this new company sits above everything. Jay's the CEO of that. So technically, anyone that is involved with Live now would answer to Jay. So, you know, the PJ Tour have, have control of everything. And the one thing as well is, you know, whether you like it or not, the PIF, we're going to keep spending money in golf at least the PGA turnout controls how that money is spent, you know, so I'd, you know, if you're thinking about some, you know, one of the biggest sovereign wealth funds in the world, would you rather have them as a partner or, the, or an enemy? Um, at the end of the day, money talks and you'd rather have them as a partner.
4: Another one on the right here. Uh, Rory Simon-Dingley from CBC News. Um, we heard there was a lot of anger in the clubhouse yesterday in the meeting with the commissioner. Uh, do you still have confidence in Jay Monaghan as commissioner of the PGA?
3: Yeah, I, I do, um, and look, I, I've dealt with Jay a lot closer than a lot of those guys have, and, and um, from where we were a couple of weeks ago to where we are today, I think the future of the PGA Tour looks brighter as a, as a whole, as an entity. Um, you know what that looks like for individual players in terms of keeping a tour card, and you know bringing players back into the fold, and then that you know sacrifices other people. That's that's where the anger comes from, right? And I and I am I understand that, and like I, there there still has to be consequences to actions. You know, the people that left the PGA Tour irreparably harmed this tour started litigation against it like we can't just welcome them back in like that's not going to happen and i think that was the one thing that jay was trying to get across yesterday is like guys we're not just going to bring these guys back in and pretend like nothing's happened like that is not going to happen so um, i do have confidence in him i think you you ask the people around him that deal with him in a business sense whether it's the directors of the board of the pj tour or the title sponsors that he deals with I mean he you know he seems to be a very impressive indivi- individual when it
4: comes to in- when it comes to business uh, second question uh, I know you and many other golfers were offered substantial amounts of money to join live I was never offered oh, any my, money. oh my apologies uh, should the golfers who maybe stayed loyal and turned down live should they be made whole
3: financially <laughs> I mean the simple answer is yes the complex answer is how does that happen right and that's all that's all grey area and up, up, up in the air at the minute but yeah there's you know it's hard to it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and you know feeling like I've put myself out there and this is what happens again removing myself from the situation I see how this is better for the game of golf there's no denying that but for me as an individual yeah I there's just gonna have to be conversations that are had
5: Jason and then John on the left.
6: Rory, you mentioned that this has really nothing to do with live golf, but do you foresee you and other PJ Tour players having to play some
1: sort of team events moving forward into the fall or a series of them? So I think Yasser is
3: very. So the PJ Tour are already doing their own sort of team thing, right? We're going to do TGL, which is, you know, it's not on a golf course and it's, but it's a team type of event and it's an entertainment product. And you know, that stuff was already starting to happen, but it was very um, delineate, right? So you had like proper competitive golf like we're playing this week and you have more entertainment type of golf that you get more into the team atmosphere and, and you, you bring tech into it. And it's a, it's a more made for TV type of deal. Um, I would say an element of team golf might still stay. It certainly, and uh, my opinion and my hope is it won't. Sla- it won't be under the Live umbrella. It's something that the PGA Tour will control. The PGA Tour will operate, and it will hopefully look very different to what Live has been.
5: John.
7: Hey, Rory. John Chidley-Hill from the Canadian Press. Um, a lot of fans are upset at this news. The, the war of words between the PGA Tour and Live got very heated, and fans got very involved. What do you say to fans who are disappointed in this deal?
3: But it's not live. I think that's the thing. I still hate live. Like, I hate live. Like, I, I hope it goes away. And I would fully expect that it does. Um, and I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from live. All I've got, tried to do is protect what the PJ Tour is and what the PGA Tour stands for. And I think it will continue to to do that. Um, So, look, going forward, I hope that there's, you know, there may be a team element and you're going to see maybe me, maybe whoever else play in some sort of team golf, but I don't think it'll look anything like Liv has looked. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, Just as a follow up, I mean, you do see why fans are upset, though. I see what
7: you're saying that it's not Liv, it's the PIF. But nonetheless, you know, during this, back and forth over the past year. At one point, Jay Monahan said, a deal like this would never happen out of respect for the victims of 9-11. Obviously, you're not res- uh, responsible for what Mr. Monaghan says, but you can see why this has stirred up a lot of emotions in fans,
3: right? Of course. You know, I, I said it to Jay yesterday, you've galvanized everyone against something, and that thing that you galvanized everyone against, you've now partnered with. So, yeah, of course I understand. it. It, it is hypocritical. It sounds hypocritical. Um, the one thing I would say is again whether you like it or not the PIF and the Saudis want to spend money in the game of golf. It is they they want to do this and they weren't going to stop. So how can we you know the thing for me and this is one thing that I've always thought about how can we get that money into the game but use it the right way? And I think that's what this ultimately will do hopefully i mean that's that's my hope
5: yeah one in the front right over here just over here um you've said a couple of
3: times now maybe two or three times if if i remove myself from it and kind of trying to kind of forecast a bit
8: further down the line but is that
3: uh, a hint that there are bits of
8: you that are still uncomfortable with you know you're a football watcher you've seen the reaction to newcastle united's takeover over the last year and the Saudi kind of moves in soccer and other sports yeah is there a bit of you that's still uncomfortable with just how cozy Saudi Arabian money Saudi Arabia and their money is now in golf like a lot of people would see that it
3: controls a hell of a lot of golf <clears throat> I've come to terms with it um I see what's happened in other sports I see what's happened in other businesses and honestly I've just resigned myself to the fact that this is you know this is what's going to happen. Like this is, it's, it's very hard to keep up with people that have more money than anyone else. <laughs> and again, if they want to put that money into the game of golf, then why don't we partner with them and make sure that it's done in the right way? And that's sort of where my head's at.
5: We've got time for a couple more. We've got one on the right here, and then we'll go to the back
4: thanks rory i'm just wondering if you have any thoughts or feelings or insight as to what this does to the Ryder cup and the dp world tour and i ask that uh just how it sounds but also as you are aware the european tour is headed by a canadian
3: i'm very aware of that very proud canadian um i don't think it changes you know the 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 ruling in that arbitration court was upheld that the European Tour can uphold the rules and regulations and sanction people for 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 leaving the tour, for harming the tour. Um and again I think it's a moot point because all those guys have resigned their membership. If you're not a member of the European Tour, you can't play the Ryder Cup. So I, I to me it's a it's a moot point.
5: Got time for one more on the left?
2: just uh just to go back to one more about yesterday uh the the players meeting, I think a lot of the reports sort of described um, some frustrations and just your sense of what was said and sort of the mood of that meeting in any sort of you know way that that it stood out to you and
3: yeah, look, it was heated it was um, people were surprised, people felt like they were um in the dark about all this uh you know, look, most of the gripes come from from the guys that are, you know, trying to hold on to their cards and you know, they feel like things have already been taken away from them this year with the designated events and smaller fields and no cuts and um, you know, weighted FedEx cup points for the for the larger events with the stronger fields. So, you know, they were already feeling somewhat vulnerable and then whenever this news is brought about, you know, they you know, there's only gonna there's only gonna be one reaction to that, and I understand that. And honestly, it's hard for me to relate to those guys because I've never been in that position. I try to empathize with it, but I it's hard for me to you know it's hard for me to relate to them fully. But um, I certainly empathize with with their point
5: of view. All right, Rory, thank you very much for your time and best of luck uh... this week. Thank you.
1: Okay, next up, we're going to get into the legal world. This is a very scary territory for all of us as we are all idiots uh, when it comes to all of these things. But it kind of seems like it's going to be the topic uh, of the day for the next number of days. So while we don't have a lot of details right now about what the this new framework looks like and what this new business structure might look like and all of those things, Uh, We wanted to at least ask some very basic questions uh, about where things stand. So let's do that now with new contributors, never been on the pod, John Nucci. And so we will hear from John now. We're going to start talking law. We're going to start talking X's and O's uh, of the legal system, which you know uh, how that's going to go for me. It wouldn't go well, so we're, we've brought in an expert. John Nucci is a sports law attorney. He's also the chief golf law correspondent. I love that title at Conduct, Conduct Detrimental. John, how are you? Uh, what's, what's going on?
8: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. so uh, you know you kind of know my my level of expertise in in what's going on here.'m I'm, I'm trying my best to keep my head above water here but let me let me ask you let me cop out a little bit Wh- where should we start? Where do we start in your mind what what is the headline here uh,
8: the I mean the headline is uh, the this antitrust litigation I don't think is dead. it's dead in the sense that these two parties are no longer suing each other but I think, at least on the Antitrust side, we might be kicking the can down the road a little bit here. So,
1: so, so, spell out what what that means for everybody, because again, like if if I'm a five year old trying to understand this, what I've seen from afar is these two uh, entities, the PJ Tour and Live going at each other, live saying this is an anti-competitive landscape. The PJ tour is a monopoly. And now those two, you know, I know it's not a merger between PJ tour and live, but a partnership between PJ tour and the PIF. Uh, how is that not creating, uh, what I would call a super mega mondo monopoly? Because that seems to be their very outward stated goal.
8: Yeah. So it's just, it's funny because the original lawsuit was, Uh, you know, 11 players suing the PGA tour for anti-competitive behavior and antitrust violations. Uh, It turned into the PGA tour, you know, lofting some counterclaims. Uh, And then it ended up being basically a live versus PGA tour uh, antitrust claim. Now over the last year, there's been so much rhetoric uh, that, that both parties have thrown back and forth, but specifically with live calling the PGA tour a entrenched monopolist and you know, saying that they are just the only provider of professional elite golf and that nobody has any other option uh, without competitors in the field. And then all of a sudden, uh, I guess the rationale is to defeat that monopoly, you just become uh, you know, even a, a 3, 4x bigger monopoly. So I don't know that that part of it makes a ton of sense, and I think that's why we're probably uh, – this isn't necessarily over with. I think there's a little bit more to parse through here. There's a lot of people talking in past tense, but I, I think we got a lot out in front of us still. Uh,
1: how much is the distinction between the PIF and Live? How much does that matter in in this? Because you know the original lawsuit was the PJ Tour versus Live. This will now be a partnership between the PIF and the PJ Tour. I mean, does that make a difference? How much of that is like you know? It seems like there was discovery around how much of Live was propped up by the PIF. I, that that seems like it'll be relevant. But explain that to me a little bit.
8: Yeah, so I I think at least part of the reason part of, you know, what what prompted this is that the public investment fund was on the verge of either having to be subject to discovery in this case, which means they were either going to have to turn over all of their officials, communications, text messages, uh, emails related to their recruitment of PGA Tour members, maybe speaking with sponsors and vendors. Uh, Or the flip side of that is they were going to have a Ninth Circuit or maybe even a Supreme Court precedent against them, which uh, that has implications beyond just like the, you know, their their golf prospects in the United States. That has implications into their other investments. Uh, On the flip side, the PGA Tour, I think they realized pretty quickly that maybe they don't have the pockets to do a five-year litigation. They don't have the pockets to increase prize pools 34% every year to compete. So I think there were just it was kind of a mutual agreement to end the litigation uh, and it was mutually beneficial for both parties. Uh, I, I don't to your original point, I don't think the PIF versus live distinction matters too much, uh, except in the sense that I'm not positive that live as as, you know, as a concept or as an entity is going to survive too, too long.
1: Yeah, I think that was kind of the the main takeaway from yesterday, as it re, you know as it pertains to live is kind of hey we're going to put all these things into a bucket, we're going to look at the P and L of all of these different things, and we're going to see what everybody's bringing to the table, and then we're going to move forward. And uh, you know I, I think maybe maybe a lot more L's than P's on the uh, on the live the live front. But talk to me also, I guess you know speaking of that bucket and kind of the the PJ tour putting all of their commercial interests into this new company, the DP World tour putting all of their interests into this new company. I mean, I don't know how far ranging your uh, you know your your oversight on this kind of stuff is, but I have to imagine things are are much more uh, stringent overseas as far as anti monopoly practices and, and those types of things. And it just seems like the DP World Tours involvement in this is is not going to help things either.
8: Uh, no, because that adds a whole other facet to this where they don't have to just deal with the Department of Justice and the antitrust investigation. They have to also deal with EU regulations. I mean, I you know, won't pretend to be an expert in like EU monopoly law, or, you know, antitrust law. But uh, I, I would imagine based on, I know that their privacy laws and a lot of their other laws are much more, much more uh, strict than, than the US here. So I don't think it's a guaranteed. I just, I don't, I don't see it as a rubber stamp, uh, like a lot of these other mergers are, um, because it is going to be a, a factual, you know, consideration for the Department of Justice. So all of those quotes that Liv has been tossing about being a monopoly are going to be considered by the Department of Justice. So it's not like you can just unring that bell.
1: So I know we're going to focus, you know, a lot more on kind of where we're headed and and what's going to happen. But I think just like Pausing a second to to focus on kind of like where we got to in in the lawsuits and and kind of what what really like drove this decision yesterday from from your perspective I mean where did those suits stand who like I hate to boil it down to like who was winning who was losing but I mean like how was how were things going and and kind of who's who stood to gain from from really like calling things off
8: so that is the interesting part to me is because from for all intents and purposes I thought the PGA Tour was in a very strong position. As far as the litigation went, uh, they obviously, the temporary restraining order was denied from the players. They had Piff and Al Rumayan added as defendants to the lawsuit. Not to mention, Piff and Al Rumayan already had a, a decision that said that they were subject, you know, they weren't immune from discovery as they argued. Uh, so, all of those things, I mean, it was trending towards the public investment fund having to kind of open up all of their books, so to speak, and have those officials sit for deposition. So, I'm a little surprised. I think I think between the two parties, PIF probably had a lot more motivation to settle because you know they don't want to have to sit for depositions and answer questions under oath, and they don't want to you know, turn over all of their communications and emails. Uh, so it, in terms of where the lawsuit was, it's a little surprising because I thought the PGA Tour was in a good position. Maybe not the best position to drag it out for five years, but at least in the short term, they were in a good spot.
1: And then, as far as the Department of Justice investigation, so again, just for for people who might not you know poison themselves with this stuff for sixty hours a week uh, what what can you say about kind of where that stood? what were they investigating? what are they investigating where Where does that stand, and then how do things change and, and what does the DOJ do next in your mind?
8: Yeah, so the DOJ is investigating uh, essentially the anti-competitive practices uh, or what they call the you know allegedly anti-competitive practices I should use my words carefully. It's (laughs) only my whole profession. Uh, The alleged anti-competitive practices uh, of the PGA Tour, a lot of it was surrounding their competing event policy, and the actions that the PGA Tour may have taken to try to uh, exclude live from the marketplace. So they were interviewing, I know certain live officials, they were interviewing USGA officials, Augusta National, I think they were trying to come Find some sort of information about maybe what communications Jay Monahan or PGA Tour officials had about excluding golfers from majors uh, and things like that. So this litigation uh, or this settlement, I'm not sure just, you know, it doesn't go away in its entirety because all of the information that they gathered from that investigation is now going to perhaps go into their review of any proposed merger. Uh, so it's not just gone, uh, you know, that it's, it's a, I'd say it again, but you can't just unring the bell. I mean, they, they have done all this investigation, uh, and it's, it's not going to go away overnight.
1: Okay. So building off of that. So we had the initial DOJ investigation. I have to imagine, you know, based on, we're certainly not experts in this, but, uh, one thing we wanted to flag in our podcast yesterday that we did was like, Hey, this is not really a done deal. Like there's still this DOJ stuff going on that seems like it would have to be. You know, approved in some way, uh, and a lot of the you know monopoly reporters or or people like that that we've seen just kind of floating around on Twitter are are very much saying like, what are you guys talking about? Why are you talking about this in the past tense? This is not a sure thing. What what is uh, what's kind of your read on it from from where you sit?
8: Yeah. So first of all, I love the phrase monopoly reporter. It's (laughs) it's excellent, but, uh, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk. Uh, and I don't think there's no chance either. I think like, just like everything else, it probably falls somewhere in the middle. Uh, there have been some major uh, gigantic mergers that have been allowed to go through. Uh, however, this administration specifically has shown a little bit of a willingness to, uh, you know, crack down on some of these things. I think they, they, stopped a a delta spirit airlines deal they've uh, stopped a handful of other deals so uh, i i I think it unfortunately like it's going to depends on the administration and i think this one has been a little bit more willing to crack down on antitrust violations Uh, so i think they're going to take a little bit more of an extra look at it especially considering that there was already a pending investigation happening
1: Yeah. And I I think it's, you know, again, this is all kind of half-assed, like me reading tweets. Uh, Obviously, I'm very aware of that. But it it seems like a lot of it, too, is focusing on this merger language. And I think there's like a failing business exception and and things like that. I I don't know if you have any any light to shed on any of that stuff.
8: You know, it'll be very interesting to see what type of corporate structuring magic that they try to pull out of the hat here, because they've said that the PGA Tour Inc., is still going to, you know, the the nonprofit arm is still going to be there and they're going to have oversight of events and, you know, they still maintain their nonprofit status, but then there's going to have a whole for-profit entity. Uh, So I I will be very interested to see how they structure that since that is my expertise. Uh, I'm not a litigator, I've just been following this, but the corporate governance and the corporate structure, I will be very interested to see how they, how they try to structure that and put it together in a way that they try to maintain their uh tax exempt status and try to not run afoul of antitrust laws i mean the 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 announcement was very light on details and i think part of the reason is because that was probably set to be leaked so they had to just get out in front of it um so i think we need to wait to see i mean even matt McNeely's uh post today too was talking about how we don't know everything so i i think once we see what the corporate structure is that they're proposing and how they plan to get around, you know, dodge those antitrust bullets and the tax exempt bullets and things, I mean, I, we'll see how they, how they go about that. It'll be very interesting for
1: sure. So what happens, you know, to the, to the best of your knowledge, uh, speculative or, or otherwise, what happens if we get to a point where the DOJ, you know, doesn't approve this and squashes this and, you know, do we go back to the starting line? Like what the hell happens then?
8: I mean, yeah, that's the 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 three billion dollar question because, like, if they don't, I all, what I do know is it will be an absolute mess uh, if they don't because I, I, the public investment fund is going to enter the the you know the golf world one way or another. I think they've made that clear. I don't think they ever really cared about Live so much as they cared about getting into golf, uh, and I think this was I, I don't know that they necessarily planned this type of you know insurgence and merger all along, but. Uh, if the if the anna if the DOJ does block the deal, uh, I don't think Piff just goes away. I don't think Liv goes away. I think I I don't know if we're starting from square one, but I think it's going to be uh, a little bit of a mess to parse through. But yeah, that's that remains to be seen.
1: Oh, all right. Well, John, we'll uh, let you let you get to the golf league. I know you got a golf league tonight, so best best of luck for that. Try to find some good air to breathe uh, up there in New York and uh thanks for thanks for hopping on man we'll we'll be in touch as as things develop and uh where can people follow you
8: yeah you can check me out on twitter i'm at, at jnucci 23. uh you can also check us out at conduct detrimental uh and i am writing and podcasting pretty constantly about the live pga tour stuff so
1: all right well john thanks for hopping on man we are uh, we're gonna move on with the show Thank you to John uh, for hopping on. Hopefully we can check back in with him as uh, more details come to light and more things, you know, once there are more things to actually analyze about this whole conversation, maybe we can uh, do some analysis. But moving on. So tried our best today to try to get some players on the podcast, to try to get some official kind of comments, all of those things. It's obviously an incredibly... complex issue, as you can probably tell from the last couple days of podcasting, not really an issue that anyone, uh, especially on the player side is dying to weigh in on. Uh, so what we did want to do just to make sure people kind of understand the conversation and understand the context and and what's going on is there was a lot of public, uh, commentary made today, whether that was Jay Monahan going on golf today, whether that was Bryson going on CNN yesterday, whether that was the players that came into the media center. Uh, we wanted to try to round up at least kind of the pertinent parts of those conversations uh, to roll into the podcast tonight. So we're going to hear a couple clips Obviously, these are not original interviews. These are, you know, appearances that they have made elsewhere, which we will shout out. But So the first person we're going to hear from is Jay Monahan, uh, who went on Golf Today on the Golf Channel. Uh, he was asked about a number of things, and a lot of that we're going to get to kind of as the week goes on and as the weeks and months goes on, I'm sure. Uh, but the big one that we had referenced a bunch of times in the conversation with Randy and I and, and kind of took over social media today was his answer about the 9-11 families editorializing from afar, but he seemed pretty, pretty struck by the question. He seemed a little kind of jumbled the question. He almost looked a little unprepared for the question. And here is that uh, question being asked by George Savarikas and uh, Jay's answer.
6: Jay, the 9-11 families United made a strong statement yesterday. They said you co-opted the 9-11 community in taking a moral stance against live. How would you respond to that group? Well, I, um, I read Terry's comments, Uh, I, I, you know, obviously acknowledge her loss and completely understand her position. And to the question that you were just asking, you know, I wish, I think about the fact that I allowed confidentiality to prevail here. And in allowing confidentiality to prevail, I did not communicate to very important constituents, including the families of 9/11, and I regret that—I uh, I, I really do. Um, but as we sit here today, you know, I, I think I think it's important to you know to reiterate that um, I feel like the move that we've made. And, and how we move forward is in the best interest of our sport. We've eliminated those fractures. Um, but for for any uh, any difficulties I've caused on that front, again, I have to own that as well. And that comes back to communication.
1: Okay, next up is going to be Bryson DeChambeau, who hopped on CNN primetime last night uh, with Caitlin Collins. This is a, a ranging interview. And uh, we just wanted to play it in full just because we really haven't heard much from uh, the other live guys. So credit to Bryson for going on CNN and, and answering a couple of questions and, and interesting answers.
4: Well, Caitlin, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And I think um, there's a lot more behind uh, closed doors. that has been going on. Uh, what I can tell you is that H.E. Uh, Yasser has uh, always been a staunch supporter of golf globally and wanting to grow the game. Um, that's been his vision from the start. Uh, When we first started talking uh, a few years ago and uh, as it's come to fruition now, I think that this is the best thing that could ever happen for the game of golf. And I'm extremely proud to be a part of that because of the fact that the fans are going to get what what they want. Uh, The players are going to experience something a little different, a little new uh, on the PGA Tour side. But I truly believe in the end, the game of golf wins in this scenario.
9: What about for those players, though, who stuck with the PGA Tour, who who didn't accept uh, a lot of money that was coming their way from the Live Tour because of comments from people like Monahan and the criticism you faced. Do you see Pat Monahan or as yeah. um, uh, Jay Monahan, I should note, as is, is a hypocrite in this situation?
4: Well, look, I really feel bad for the information that was delivered to the players in the PGA Tour, the ones that stuck with them. Um, you know, we did take a risk. The players that did go over, we did take a risk, and there was a reason uh, for taking that risk relative to the to you know, the capital that had to be paid out for that to occur. Um But I do feel bad for the, the PGA Tour players because uh, they were told one thing and something else uh, happened. And uh, on our side, we were told one thing, and it's come, come to fruition. And uh look, in the end for me, I want the players, the fans, and the game of golf to win. And, you know, it, it does stink a little bit from my perspective that the PGA Tour players are not necessarily winning. I hope that they can find a way. Uh, to make sure that they are valued in the same way that we are um, over at Live, and uh, I think that'll happen. It's just going to take some time with the players uh, pushing back a little bit and trying to figure out what makes them, uh, uh, what gives them the best opportunity to be successful on their own end. And eventually, we all come back together now and play as uh, one group. I think that's the best thing. Watching us play week in and week out, uh, the best players against uh, each other. When you say
9: when you say bad information, what do you mean?
4: Well, bad information. I mean, look. There's a lot of information that can be delivered on both sides now, whether it's right or wrong is always subject to uh, what people believe. And you know, behind, behind closed doors, there was a lot going on that anyone could really take in. Um, and a lot of players just weren't willing to take the risk, whereas uh, players like myself had some decent information and, and was willing to take that risk because not only did you know, it, it would change our lives, but it would potentially change the landscape of the game of golf, of which we all believed in, the guys that went to live, for a long time. Um, Phil being the same, in the same position, we, we all believed that there was a better path to uh, potentially grow the game and, and give people a new viewpoint and fresh perspective on the game of golf. And I think that's what you're seeing here now is that it's finally coming to a place where um, the PGA Tour realized it, Liv realized it, we all realized that we're better together and not apart.
9: Well, of course, you know, one thing that's not behind closed doors, which we do know, is that the live tour is backed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which, of course, is run by and backed itself by the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Because of this, that is why it has earned so much criticism, including from the families of 9-11 victims. And the group put out a statement today saying, quote, the PGA and Monaghan, referring to the commissioner, appeared to have become just more paid Saudi shills, taking billions of dollars to cleanse the Saudi reputation. How do you respond to that?
4: Well, I think we'll never be able to repay the families back for what exactly happened uh, just over 20 years ago. And what happened was is definitely horrible. And I think as time has gone on, 20 years has passed and we're in a place now where it's time to start trying to work together to make things better together as a whole. Um, I have deep sympathy. I don't know exactly what they're feeling. I can't ever know what they feel, but I have a huge amount of respect for their position and what they believe. Um, nor do I ever want anything like that to ever occur again. I think as we move forward from that, we've got to look towards a pathway to peace, uh, especially in forgiveness, especially if we're trying to mend the world and make it a better place. Uh, I think this is what they're trying to accomplish, Liv is trying to accomplish. Um, the PIF is trying to accomplish what we're all trying to accomplish is a better yeah. world for everybody and a way to provide but great not, entertainment for everybody around the world.
9: It's not just about 9-11. What, does it make you uncomfortable at all? Because it's not just that. They're accused of financing terrorism. They also are accused of killing a Washington Post reporter, Jamal Khashoggi. How do you feel knowing that that is where the money is backed by?
4: Yeah, I mean, look, it's unfortunate what has happened, and that's something I cannot necessarily speak on as I'm a golfer. But what I can say is that um, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to work on is, is to be better allies, because we are allies with them. And, and look, I'm not going to get into the politics of it. I'm not specialized in that. But what I can say is they are trying to do good for the world and showcase themselves in a light that hasn't been seen in a while. And nobody's perfect, but we're all trying to improve in life.
1: Finally, we are going to hear from just a couple players uh, that are on site this week at the RBC Canadian Open. Like I said, we've reached out to a lot of people, haven't really had uh, any interest in actually coming on the podcast to discuss. But two people that were in the media center, credit to Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors. Uh, I know the Canadian Open means a lot to them, and they were in the media center to answer a lot of questions about playing in their national open and uh, playing you know, in an event that they really love. But of course, we're asked about yesterday's player meeting. Of course, we're asked about uh, you know how how this news sits with them, how the communication sits with them, all of those things. Um, and so we're going to hear from them now. The first player you're going to hear from is Mackenzie Hughes, and then the second player will be Corey Connors. Uh, thank you to both of them for going through some media availability today, and uh, you know thanks to the PJ Tour for posting those press conferences as well. So here's Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors. How would you describe how your emotions have evolved from yesterday morning around ten o'clock to today?
10: I started out feeling a little frustrated, a little confused, and and betrayed—not betrayed, but just blindsided with the fact that we just, to, to, to us, we didn't see this coming in any capacity. Maybe not for another five or six years, but um, now, now we're here, and uh, this is the news that we're that we're dealing with. And yeah, I'd say that now I'm more about collecting information and trying to I guess make my own judgment on what the situation is and if it's going to be good for the tour in the long run which ultimately I do think that the way the golf has been the last year is not good for the game and I do believe that when the dust does settle and we bring the guys back together eventually I do think that's what's in the best interest of golf right now it obviously is going to feel different or feel not right or confusing and everyone's got a lot of questions but I do think that um with time you know this could this could end up being a great thing I just um I think people are very quick to to jump on it being uh A really bad thing but we just it's too early to say I I guess one way or the other
9: over here on the right
3: hey Mac Um, this year in golf's been a lot about there's no cut events there's team golf on the live side
1: how important is a tournament obviously like this to you and a a true open championship and what does that mean for uh, you know the, the kind of golf you grew up with
10: I was telling my caddy out there today that I've been coming to this tournament uh, from a very young age, before I was 10, probably, and my first experience, I think, was Glen Abbey in 2000. And just a lot of great memories from uh, Glen Abbey and from Hamilton, and to be competing in my national championship, uh, the RBC Canadian Open. And to me, it's still a little bit of a pinch-me moment, even though I'm in year seven and I've I've played in a fair number of these already, it's just, it's still really cool to me that um, I could impact the next Mackenzie Hughes, which hopefully they aim higher than that. But I mean, at least, you know, that's where the bar has been set maybe, but um, it is, it is neat. And I, I relish these moments to be here, you know, vying for this championship and I would, love more than anything else to be to be the guy to uh to break that drought
1: matt given the um the timing of last year as well as this year relative to lib you have some sympathy for that badge
10: on your left sleeve there rbc yeah it's uh it's not doesn't seem fair it is uh probably the the best way to put it but it' was just really unfortunate timing i think um but yeah, they've they've gotten the the bad end of that stick uh, the last couple of years, and it's a shame because it takes away from uh, I believe it's the is it the third oldest national open. Uh, or third, so to me, that's uh, what it should be about is the history of this tournament and uh, the great players here. But golf has never been in a. A place like this before and it's there's been so many things in the last three four years that have just disrupted uh I guess the the working order of golf I mean from COVID into live um it's just been a very unsettled time for golf uh golf ball rollback potentially just it seems like day after day there's something new so I think if I'm RBC, I kind of accept that this is just the rolling landscape of of what we're dealing with, um, and hopefully, like I said, tomorrow once we get going, the tournament starts, and we got a good leaderboard going. That'll be the focus of uh, this week.
2: Yeah, hey, uh, just to back to yesterday, um, one more the 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 players call with um, with Jay yesterday. Can you sort of describe? how it went for you or sort of the, the sentiment that came out of it and, um, you know, the, the the feelings around that call that you had or that you sensed other people had?
10: The the pack meeting or the, the player meeting? The player meeting. The player meeting. Um, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but I, I, I just feel as though the first feeling that guys had was just that they were a little bit shocked, shocked by the news. I don't really think many people had this on their radar as a possibility. So that was probably the first emotion. And then the other the other thing was just now guys were trying to um, take it all in, uh, gather information, ask questions, figure out what the next steps were. So there was a lot of good discussion in there yesterday and a lot of things on both sides that were said that I think will lead to you know good decisions going forward so yeah the like i said golf has just never been uh disrupted like this before um and we're dealing with a lot of stuff right now so i think once we get kind of past the initial phase of this or the initial part of this um like i said it could be it could be a great thing for golf, we just uh, we don't know. So um, that was kind of the, I guess the, the the majority of the uh, emotion or the feeling yesterday.
2: I guess this, not to uh, is there any sense of like the emotional whiplash at all? Sort of like you know you go a year and this is how you know we look at things, and then all of a sudden one day happens, and it's like oh we have to look at it this other way. Is that sort of hard to wrap your head around at all?
10: Um, Yes and no. I mean, we've been through a lot. So while there's some aspects of it that may surprise you, you're also kind of used to having bombshells dropped uh, every now and then, with you know live forming and you know having their first events, and then uh, to where we are now. There's just been there's been lots of big news over the last year. Or so. I don't think that we're, I, I mean, we're essentially, I, I, I guess, we just know you're in a bit of a chaotic time. So there's uh, lots of stuff happening and uh, we're just trying to deal with it the best we can on the fly.
4: Hi, Corey, it's Peter Robinson. I'm wondering if, uh, I'm sure you were shocked yesterday at this time, but I'm wondering if you had 24 hours to sort of calm down and think about the events of yesterday and if you can give us some perspective, if it has changed or generally.
5: Yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, shocking news to, you know, caught off guard a little bit. But, you know, to be honest, I haven't, you know, digested much of it. You know, this being such a big week at the RBC Canadian Open, you know, my my focus is really on that. But, you know, what I'll say is, you know, I I do have a lot of faith in the leadership of the PGA Tour. I know there's um, a lot of smart people working for us that, you know, we'll make the right decisions and, um, you know, in the, right away, you know, some players may not necessarily agree with the decision, but I, I certainly have faith that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a positive direction for the PGA Tour and you know, I have a lot of faith in our leadership.
3: Hey, Corey. Um, this is the second year in a row that some blockbuster news breaks at the Canadian
1: Open. Sort of how unfair do you think that is? And is it something that you kind of hope that the tour would keep in mind when they're redoing this, any schedule for next season.
5: Yeah. It's, you know, unfortunate timing for, for the news, uh, that we got yesterday. And like you mentioned, uh, last year, you know, it was, there was a lot going on in the golf world during this week. So, um, you know, I definitely, you know, feel for, for RBC. I think it's unfortunate timing for this event, the RBC Canadian open and, you know, unfortunate timing for RBC, which, you know, is such a great partner of me and a great partner of golf and the PGA Tour, you know, having the RBC Canadian Open and RBC Heritage. Uh, so, you know, I definitely feel bad for them a little bit, but, you know, saying that, I think uh, there's still going to be a lot, of, a lot of focus on the RBC Canadian Open this week, and it's going to be uh, an exciting week.
1: And going back to yesterday, do you think the, um, there's clearly some anger between, with some of your colleagues, maybe your, even yourself? Was it more to do with the deal? That they know of it so far, or how it was delivered.
5: Um, it's it's hard to say. I think you know a lot of the the players didn't really get an opportunity to to understand, and um, you know just made made some judgments prematurely. And you know, certainly everyone is entitled to to their opinion. And you know, at first I was a little caught off guard, but um, you know, trying to trying to understand the situation, which again i really haven 't go too deep into it, but i, I do trust the, the leadership of the pga tour and um, you know I think people just don 't like being surprised by things and you know with it being a you know a player led tour you know it was off putting for some some guys to you know receive the news the way that we did but um, you know again my my belief is that you know we 've got some smart people working on our behalf and they're doing uh, you know the best thing they can for us as PGA Tour members and for the game of golf.
1: All right, we have uh, batted around the order and we're back to the top, Randy. We're bringing you back in. Oh uh, <laughs> for one failed bunt, coming back to to get another look at this pitcher. Uh, love your love your chances second time around. Welcome back.
0: Yeah, thank you. I I do too. I I was I I saw it big the first at bat. <laughs> just you know. Didn't get the bunt where I needed it to pass the pitcher.
1: <laughs> also bringing in uh, another, your your partner in crime for what was supposed to be an LPGA podcast. Obviously, you guys chop it up on the LPGA once a week. Uh, we still are going to talk a little bit of LPGA. Obviously, there was some news uh, this week that that kind of uh, superseded that in the in the world of golf this week. Cody, how are you? Greetings, hello, good to see you.
11: Gentlemen, how are we doing? Thank you for inviting me onto this here podcast. I'm excited to talk LPGA, a little global, political, foreign policy stuff, <laughs> and overall uh, 9-11 takes. So I'm here for whatever you need. Cody, let
1: me start with you. Pro or anti-9-11? Let's, let's start there. <laughs> very,
11: uh, very anti. Thank you. I want that on the record before we get going. No, did, i did. I'm, I'm,
1: Sorry,
0: DJ. Did did with any of your guests? Did you cover the Bryson CNN interview today? We did. We rolled that audio. Okay, uh,
1: I I think that speaks for itself. Big. Unless you have anything to add.
0: Uh, No. Just as our good friend Spencer Hall pointed out, I think Bryson literally apologized four nine like he was complicit in it it seemed like <laughs> what a what a wild wild five minutes that was
1: it's uh you know if I, if I was a professional golfer i think i'm probably just taking a couple plays off this week you know just, just cash me out I, i'm not uh i don't need to play this hand but you know i guess other people feel differently so cody we've we've been uh just spewing nonsense about the goings on of the last couple days uh we don't need to belabor you know too much of of the personal stuff, and and obviously you have a uh, a complex history with uh, <laughs> with the country of Saudi Arabia. But I would be not doing my job if I didn't ask, kind of how you're feeling. What are, what's what's on
11: your mind over the last couple of days? It's a lot going on, a lot to unpack, gentlemen. <laughs> you guys know I'm in the same boat as you guys. I've actually tried to get away earlier in this week. Went and hung out with some of my my patriots. I was at the Great American Dunes in Western Michigan trying to get a little uh, camaraderie and fellowship in with the like-minded people, you know, all that. And then this whole world, the golf world seems to be on fire. How do I feel? I'm really like, if everything that is proposed goes through, I'm happy because I'm I'm like jacked to see the best players in the world competing more. Like, I think that uh, obviously the last year with Liv, has created a huge fracture in the, the golf professional golf ecosystem on the men's side. And we've only been able to see them at, at four major championships. And that's, was going to be the way it was going forward. But I'm excited that if this plan actually gets to the finish line, that you can actually see more of the best players in the world competing again, because I love cam Smith. I love Dustin Johnson. I like Brooks's swagger. And like, they make me excited to watch professional golf. And the more that they're around, the better. Now on like you want to talk about like the, the finance side and, and where how we got here and what actually is going on and where is this gonna take us? Yeah, I definitely has some concerns. You know, I've I've spent time in Saudi Arabia, I've talked about it on this podcast, I've talked about it on our sister podcast, trap draw. Phenomenal listen. Uh go back and, and check it out there. But you know, there's this is such a complex issue that the golf world which is so funny that now the golf world is literally getting into like in-depth foreign policy discussions and you can look at it from like every single level and, and like it's always going to be dirty. It's always going to be muddy. The thing about the United States and the country of Saudi Arabia from on an overview perspective, like they're a tremendous ally for us. They support Almost everything that we do in the Middle East, they're phenomenal in trade. They buy a ton of our equipment; majority of it coming from the military side of it, and uh, that's like a different topic altogether. But we also buy a ton of their oil. We we trade oil back and forth. And when we, you know, I'm going to land here at, at 9/11, and in, in that overall conversation, there has not been a a more long-term and enduring supporter of our United States and our allies' global operations in the Middle East, specifically on the global war on terror than the country of Saudi Arabia. And if you can take that and and pull that back 22 years to where this whole thing started, I would have never believed that. So I'm 100% torn because it's almost impossible to say, you know, the 9-11 how we got to 9-11, the individuals who were involved, the people who financed them and the training that they received to me making that statement, what I just made, it's, it's truly, it's incredible that they were able to turn and, and support our global operations at the level that they have. And they, they truly are a great, great partner overseas. I mean, shit, I went overseas and worked for for their military. I was an advisor for their military. I was an advisor for one of their intelligence services. I've I've done a ton with the Saudis. I've been to Riyadh, I've been to Southern Saudi Arabia, I've been to both coasts. Like I, I've been all over the place and uh you know, I've been able to see things that a lot of other people have not been able to see, to include the underbelly. Of their country that some of their deepest and darkest secrets and things that are constantly, you know, brought up in the national and world spotlight now that they want to move past. So I'm somewhat torn. Uh, I'm very conflicted. I never wanted this part of my life and my background to interfere with my golf, my love for golf and the enjoyment that I want get from watching professional golf. But here we are today. Do
1: you think it's going to interfere? I guess that's kind of the big question, right? Cody, I was just looking for
11: like, they suck or they're cool. (laughs) Miss
0: me with all this context.
11: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely going to interfere. We're talking about professional golf that now has not like multiple countries. You have their, you know, independent investment fund funding, uh, a new, you know, for-profit, section of the pga tour whatever it's going to break out and be you have uh you know the government still their government still needs to approve a vast majority of this our government is going to weigh in on all of this is it legal is it not legal are they following the right rules there's multiple trade and partnership things that are tied into all this yeah it's going to get fucking messy man and and it's this is i guess golf now which is wild
1: well, I guess the the reason like we definitely wanted to add this, uh, you know, to the podcast today is just to just to review. I know we've said this a hundred times, but what's what's happening here is the PJ Tour is taking all of its commercial interests, the DP World Tour is taking all of its commercial interests, the PIF is taking all of its golf commercial interests and Golf Saudi, putting them all into a new company, supercharging it with seemingly, allegedly, billions and dollars, billions of dollars in cash. And what I want to ask you guys, Randy, I'll start with you. What, what does this mean for the women's game?
0: <laughs> um, and let me preface, we don't know. We, we don't know. All we can do is speculate at this point. Um, but I do think it's an interesting question. Um, I, I think where my mind initially goes to is, I think, a live... Startup type tour for women doesn't seem like it's in the cards at least anytime soon, right? It it would seem like maybe that potential enemy at at the gates is is not going to materialize, and I think my the second place I immediately go is I know there is some type of vote upcoming between a potential LPGA. And LET merger. I do think with the PGA kind of leading the way, getting out in front of a lot of this, soaking up a lot of oxygen, it feels like to me that it's going to make it easier for the LPGA to accept, potentially accept, a Ramco PIF sponsorship money, whether directly or with a closer, more tied in relationship with the Ladies European Tour. Cody, I don't know if that's where your mind goes, if you feel similarly,
1: uh, but that's kind of where I start out. Before we go there real quick, for the people who might not follow this super closely and might say Aramco and the Saudis are already deep into women's golf, can you explain the distinction between what they have sponsored so far and what they have not, I guess?
0: Yeah, so they do have an Aramco team series, which is a series of events that takes place throughout the calendar year in different countries that is obviously sponsored by Aramco. Uh, They make up right now, uh, they, they are part of the ladies' European tour schedule. In addition to that, I think the most famous or probably what most people know is the Saudi ladies' International, which is a big golf tournament that takes place, what is it, Cody in March or February? I I forget the exact dates. But it has a $5 million purse, one of the largest in all of women's golf outside of a handful of your your majors, and draws, quite honestly, an exceptional field of women to compete year after year in Saudi Arabia. So that's kind of the starting point. Um, Code Man, I guess I'll, I'll I'll throw it to you again. My mind went to those two places right away. I'm curious if you feel similar, similarly, or if if this kind of got you thinking immediately on some other
11: track. No, I I agree with you, Big. I think one thing to to highlight as well. So the ladies European tour, in addition to having the Aramco uh, Women's Invitational. Saudi Arabia women's international or whatever it was called. They also have the Aramco team series, which is very much, you, you could kind of say that it's like live in what they've been doing, but not really the formats. Func- it's it set up a little bit different way. They're three day events, same 54 holes, but it's usually uh, either two or three professionals. I can't remember. And then an amateur who plays on your team and they're, they're separate prize pools as part of the, ramco team series but the ramco team series has already had events in the united states they've had them very globally and that would be kind of attuned to what live has been doing big i agree with you i think uh i said this on here this year podcast when we did the the beginning of the year preview for the lpga tour i said that this was going to be a, a deciding point for the commissioner and that this question will come up is that if she you know when it is broached will she or will she not accept investment from the saudi public investment fund and or aramco or whatever name they want to put on it because aramco it's it's literally you know one or the other but they're all the same yeah um and i hope people understand that if not they need maybe need to go do a little bit of history on saudi aramco and the company as a whole i didn't expect nor do i think that molly would have expected this to come up in this way because I'm sure she's openly said that she would absolutely take the call. She would accept any meeting from them because at the end of the day, she's looking at how she can best represent the women of the LPGA Tour and get them prize money to the you know level that they feel and rightfully so deserve. And, um, I think just to underscore kind of the leap
1: that we're, we're making for the
11: listeners here too, is
1: I think basically what you guys are suggesting by this money trickling to the ladies game, it would, it would essentially involve this like new company buying the LPGA or buying the LPGA and the LET after that merger or, or whatever. So like that, that's well, the step that would have to happen.
11: In order not, to- not even, I think, uh, you know, uh, Ramco is the presenting sponsor of the entire ladies European tour not just specific events. They, they sponsor yeah. the, the entire tour as well. Just like, you know, the PGA tour has uh, deals with their proud partners that we listen to every year, Grant Thornton's and everybody else. Well, that's the L, you know, the, the L E T they have Ramco and we already know that there's a, there is co-sanctioned events between the LPGA tour and the L E T. If they're, they continue and come together and there's a potential uh, merge as Randy discussed earlier and, and a, future vote that's, you know, it's upcoming still, um, what would that actually look like? But what I think yesterday in these, these last 48 hours really is that uh, by Jay going out, making these statements, being on MSNBC or CNBC and sitting with Yasser and and basically really what he's done is continue to, to humanize uh, the public investment fund. He, in in like he's turned himself, what he's going to end up being uh, a martyr in the situation, but really he's just going to take all the heat and basically create a clear runway uh, for Molly to go in and have those conversations and figure it out. And, you know, I, the women have, you know, there's been a Ramco, there's been golf Saudi who's sponsored LPGA players in the, pa- in the past. There's, there's dozens of women and caddies on the LPGA tour who wear, where golf Saudi, uh, or Ramco logos on their golf bags, on their hats, on their clothing, and this will just continue to humanize it for the LPGA moving forward. And I would not be surprised if you see uh, a Ramco or just straight up PIF sponsored events on the LPGA tour uh, coming very soon.
0: And I think if I can just piggybacking DJ, uh, perhaps a good segue. Hopefully, a good segue. If if we remove for a second. The discussion of the source of the money, right? A Ramco, PIF, etc. And we just take a look at what can a significant investment into the LPGA and LET like like what what are areas where they really need more resources? The the answer is in a lot of areas, but but besides raising purses. Trying to bring purses up, um and not just in the majors, but we're talking kind of week to week, all the events, getting them up to a standard. You know, th- there's a range of purses now, the lowest being I believe 1.75 million. Um, which for, for people making the cut really is like a break-even proposition if you make the cut and and finish, you know, somewhere in the fifties, low sixties. So they do want to raise the purses. Right now, uh, women's professional golf, there is no sophisticated statistical tracking of performance, right? And in my opinion, that is a gigantic hole in the women's game. Uh, I think it's a gigantic disservice to the women's game. And where I would like to see resources aimed is getting shot linked to every tournament building out the sophisticated stats packages we see like on the PGA tour shots gained. Right. And that way it, 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 one, it allows viewers to have a better understanding of how and why these women are the best in the world, what areas they excel at or don't excel at right from our perspective as people who love to talk about the women's game, you know, having, Statistics just gives you such a richer context of what you're seeing, um, and can open your eyes to perhaps you think something, but the statistics say something else. It it just it it must happen for women's golf to take the next big leap. And I'd say that the third big area, you know, right now, the, the there are no big media rights in women's golf. A lot of times. They are paying to put their product on broadcast television. Um, I think increased resources could not only buy more and perhaps better TV windows, it could help expand streaming options, ESPN Plus, you know, four round sophisticated streaming options at majors. The, The types of things, again, we take for granted and see week to week on the PGA Tour. So there is a very big need for resources in the women's game. Um, I think the PGA folks, I'm sure Jay, I'm sure Yasser, I'm sure everybody who has an interest in spinning how great this deal is, part of that, I don't think it's maybe front page, but certainly second page, we can now invest more. One of the things we can potentially do is build up the women's game like, do I believe that they want to do that, that they're going to do that? I don't know. They haven't earned the benefit of the doubt for me because they've really been pretty inactive and absent over the last however many years, even being a strategic partner of the LPGA. But the
11: potential does exist that could really help the women's game. They stink. They haven't done anything to help the LPGA Tour. right? And if you're looking, again... I. I've said this on the LPGA podcast before. This is for Yasser. This is for the PIF. This is for Mali. This is for the LPGA tour, everything. You know, all these people, they what they, they want to say and continue to say is everybody will bring up Saudi Arabia's human rights issues, the atrocities that they've, they have committed, and everybody likes to throw out the, the, the fact that they are growing, they're learning, they're maturing as a country. And that is true, but they are still so far behind the times. And I was absolutely shocked when Aramco and PIF initially started sponsoring women's athletics. And I think the LAT has welcomed them with open arms. They obviously did it because it was a a large influx of cash that was given to them that they desperately needed because the tour was almost going to be extinct. What I want to to say is you know the the saying of you know put your money where your mouth is well what do you do when people just throw money at it okay we'll do that we'll throw money at it but there's no like change or or the the shit that they say that they're going to do never fucking change it. it's kind of boring. what do you, what do you do to those people put your money where your money is a little bit exactly so money is great change is even better you know Let's see legitimate change. And and I will say this. I've experienced this firsthand. Saudi Arabia is a hell of a lot better now than it was 10 years ago. Things drastically, drastically changed when MBS took over. And I understand that there's been a ton of wrongdoing since then. And I'm not by no means white-nining for the guy or anything like that. He's clearly fucked up on a lot of different things. Horrible, horrible things. All right? But it is getting better at the smallest pace possible though like you got to you got to change and if you want to be accepted on the global stage there's things you absolutely have to do unfortunately that's not going to be possible because their country still runs sharia law and there's there it is literally written into their their constitution uh that they're, they're just basic rights human rights that women will not be able to have it sucks it stinks, but I do not think, uh, you know, I think people would live in this fairytale world and you'd see people stand up just like the multiple players on the U S women's soccer team did when they, they heard that FIFA was going to accept, uh, a Ramco money as a presenting sponsor. And, you know, they bound together and, and formed this coalition and said, you know, absolutely not. If that's the case from FIFA, we will not be playing in the FIFA cup. Um, and that's just not going to happen in the women's professional game they are they're anxiously and eagerly looking uh for the cash and i i think that's okay as long as you understand who the source of that is and you you realize what actually it's like to be a woman in that country and reach out and talk to people who are women in saudi arabia who have visited saudi arabia who travel there and figure out what it really really is before you get that and just put it in whatever checking account that you have hmm.
1: man a lot of a lot of laughs around here today randall
11: <laughs> what i will say is that just like yesterday news was breaking everything we do have a statement here i don't know have you guys read molly's statement please do okay
1: I have, but that doesn't do anybody much good. So why don't we just read it for everybody?
11: (laughs) Well, I don't know if you read it earlier in the podcast.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. No,
11: please, please go ahead. All right, perfect. This is from, of course, LPGA Commissioner Molly Marcusemo. As we have consistently said, a fractured ecosystem is not good for the game, and we look forward to learning what today's announcement means for the growth and impact of global golf. We remain focused on growing the LPGA. Continuing to work with the top partners in the world to provide the best opportunities for our membership and to make sure that everything we do continues to allow us to inspire, elevate, and advance opportunities for girls and women on and off the course. I read that very yeah. much as, okay, we're going to go. See we're going to go Steve you. Ballin'. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. I see you, Yasser. Yeah. Let me get on that calendar.
0: Because I again and this is this is my me editorializing I, I think what I would point to is this supposed strategic alliance between the PGA and, and LPGA over the last several years what tangible benefits can you point to that that has resulted in it, it has not, Necessarily led to a, a big influx of cash. It has not led to the PGA like supporting the LPGA publicly. There, there's nothing really in my mind that the PGA can point to and be proud of from that strategic alliance. And I think there is a... L- See, Cody, this is where I go back and forth, and I think it's a question that everybody should be posing to Jay is it feels like we're under the assumption that the PIF Saudi Aramco money is the only money out there.
1: <laughs> and that's what I'm just – somebody's going to have to convince me on that. I totally agree. I think that's extremely well said. And it's like, all right, if we just want to like go down the – decision tree here or just kind of like game this out how this works right because the the talking point that i've heard throughout kind of like the world of golf is like man this money is going to allow us to do like so many great things right and if you take that at face value maybe that's totally right right but what i kind of hear that as is like this money is going to allow us to make our members so fucking rich right because it's like it, it wasn't like you didn't have money before it's just it's not in your mandate to like to, to spend that money on other ventures like this, right? Your mandate is, and maybe it's a new mandate and it's a different company and all of those things is like in play now. But like your mandate is to just funnel as much money to your members as you possibly can. So without like an investment in the LPGA, which again, might very well be on the table with this new company, maybe that's like if if all of this gets signed by the PJ Tour Policy Board and it gets pushed through by the DOJ and it all comes to fruition in the way that it was presented yesterday, then yeah, maybe that's one of their, like one of their, uh, objectives is buy up women's golf as well and just spread this money around and everybody lives happily ever after. Again, Randy, like we said earlier in the pod, color me just a little cynical on that. Uh, it, you know, I, I don't know that I've really am taking Jay or the Piff at their, at their word right now. And, uh, sorry, but that's just going to have to be where I'm at for a while, I think. And so, so in in a way I'm almost like, I don't know, I got to think through this a lot more, but it's like, I kind of almost think the the women's game was in a really interesting place when the money was like very irrational. Right. And when the money was irrational, it was kind of like, how much influence can we buy? We don't care how much it costs. Now that like, we're kind of having people speak out of both sides of their mouth, right. Where it's like, on one hand, we've got all this money funneling into this new company and it's totally not sports washing. It's absolutely like there for a return on investment. And this is going to be like very rational money. And like that, that's when it kind of becomes like, well, sweet man. Like, do I really trust that you're going to just like throw this all around the golf world and enrich a bunch of women's golf purses and, you know, invest in all of these different infrastructures? Like I don't,
11: I don't. And- and no, this this side of it, it in the women's professional game, this 100% is sports washing. Like, these this yeah. is this is money that they like completely are okay with just being a loss because this is this it's exactly what they've been doing with the LET, it's what they will end up doing with the LPGA Tour. These are known losses for them to help totally to, to, to say, look at all we're doing for women uh, around the globe. And you I, know, that, that's exactly what this is on the men's side. You're right. That's why, I mean, but I, guess, I don't know if you got to it, but like that's why Live is has never been a, a viable business operation. And that's why they're pivoting now to go do this new joint venture for profit uh, because it actually will provide them a, a massive return on that scale. Like business-wise, that makes more sense. What we're talking I, I, about over here. I
0: would, if I can interject though real quick, I, I would, I'm a bit dubious of that claim, I think that the, the, the investment in the men's company is for sure for profit and a wonderful opportunity. Because I think if that were the case, why aren't there a ton of companies lining up to get in on the action, right? right? That's, that's what, again, sends my spidey senses up is, hey, if this is such a golden goose, <laughs> guess what? There are a hundred, a 1, thousand companies on Wall Street across America
11: that are looking for a great return. And Are you looking at it from uh, the PIF's point of view or from the PJ Tour's point of view?
0: I am looking at it from, I guess, an investment point of view where okay. I, I was taking it as, as you guys saying, hey, we're going to invest all this money with the expectation we're going to make a sizable return on said investment.
11: Well, I would say probably outside of Andy Gardner and what they tried to do is that I don't think anybody thought that this would be possible that the pga tour would leave their nonprofit entity and say yeah we're okay starting up a separate for-profit entity and be able to do this i i think the reason why this is happening right now and, and why the money i mean it's it, it i don't know if you guys have ever gotten in a fist fight before but you know it's been a while the pga tour and the live were in a fist fight and and they're sick of throwing punches at it and all of a sudden the the bigger stronger and meaner guy uh, put his fist down one day and said, "Hey, buddy, like uh, you want to go get ice cream instead? Cool, let's go." And now they're best friends, riding off into the in the distance on their huffies. That's what happened. They they had to stop the bleeding. They had to stop the lawsuits. Yeah, that's why it was. And you're telling me that the enemy is the one. Like he's not only going to say, "Okay, we're done here," but actually, yo, like we're we're in this together.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very sweet sounding thing now, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. One thing I do want to just clarify because I, I think I've kind of been a little mushy brained about this i think with the pif rolling all of its golf interests into this new company like that would include what they're doing in women's golf so so i should say that's already under that umbrella and doesn't necessarily need to be like a brand new investment so just sorry i I was a true a
11: a true instead of just a a men's uh monopoly now we're joining it and saying a men's and women's major major monopoly
1: that's the dream cody that's that's the hope. That's what we can all aspire. It's power, power. Should guys? Should we leave the conversation here? There's, we could talk about this for another four hours. Uh, yeah, I think if if I may,
0: can Give I you the last this? word, Randy? Well, I just want to end on. I, I think I I think the the women gladly taking Saudi money might be the most prudent thing for them to do. I just think it's a shame how still women's sports by and large are treated in this country. I I, I do staunchly believe, and I, I think my mind 100% got made up on this fact after the latest NCAA women's college basketball tournament in which I watched much more NCAA women's basketball than I did men's basketball. I truly believe if anybody, somebody made a real investment into the product of women's golf, I think that investment would pay off for them over time. And I know that a lot of companies are spending. I think, Cody, it feels like it's a lot of diversity and inclusion budgets and not truly business investments with an eye towards, hey, we believe, we see a vision, we can build this into a profitable thing. And I think that's a shame because you look at women's soccer, you look at women's tennis, you look at NCAA women's basketball, if a broadcast partner, a sponsor put on a good product, I believe people will watch. Yeah, 100%.
1: Well, Randy, speaking of a good product, we've had this in the can for a couple days now, but we were able, Sally and I were able to chat with uh, Rose Zhang after her win at the Mizuho uh, tournament at Liberty National. Obviously a pretty uh, historic win for Rose in her first first start. Anything you guys want to say about that before we roll that interview?
11: I just want a little quote in here I'm going to throw in again. Uh, Obviously, Rose is unbelievable. She's an unbelievable player, unbelievable person, and what she's done is pretty amazing. If I can do something along those lines, I think I'm going to do pretty well. (laughs) Ludwig (laughs) Ebert. But honestly, this feels like it was a month ago. I'm so excited for Rose. I mean, it's phenomenal. She wanted her pro debut. Uh, Great, you know, comments from her being like, I was just, you know, happy. I was trying to make the cut. I did not expect this to happen, which we all know, like Rose is a a fighter, man. She's a true competitor. but I did not expect her to win straight out of the gate biggie. I I'm, I'm I'm so excited for the rest of the year on the LPGA tour because, you know, we've been saying it for a while, like Rose is coming, but man, she, she's already here. Yeah, I know. Hand up. I,
0: I was, I was telling people, I think we need to temper our expectations. I think she has a super high floor. I don't think she's going to win right away. And she just went and just proved me all kinds of wrong. It, it, I am so happy for her. DJ, you and I got to, to meet her, spend time with her um, February of 2022 when we did the documentary on Stanford women's golf. And she is just absolutely the type of person who you enjoy being around. You enjoy learning their perspective and you can't help but rooting for them. So so, so happy for her. And I'm also happy for women's golf because anytime somebody like this comes along, it's great for the game. Uh, Codeman, you and I will have to get a lot more into it at a later time. But yeah, I it, I mean, just like the PGA tour to take like the best thing to happen in years and years and years on women's in, in women's golf, and they gave them one freaking day, you know, know. before they dropped this news on them. It just I, I do feel badly about that.
1: Well, guys, let's uh, let's roll this interview with Rose, uh, Randy. Thanks for all the uh, the thoughts, the uh, the banter today, Cody. Great to talk to you as always, and uh, we will uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Thanks, Deej. All right. uh, Taking a quick break. Taking the controls away from Randy here. Uh, We're going to welcome in somebody to the podcast who's probably been on the podcast more than Randy over the last (laughs) couple months. Uh, That is, of course, Rose Zhang. Uh, She doesn't stop winning, so we keep calling her and taking up more of her time. Rose, how are you? Where are you? What's, What's going on?
12: I'm currently in New York City at the Excel office in Mr. Mark Steinberg's office. And it's just been incredible. Um, You know, the last 24 hours have been absolutely insane. Uh, I could not have imagined this week to turn out in the way that it has. But now I'm here enjoying the moment. I was on top of the rock, just taking some pictures and uh, had a New York bagel and enjoying every
1: moment. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about like what the last I don't know eighteen hours have have been like for you, kind of since since the last putt dropped. I mean you've you've won a lot obviously in your uh, in your young career, but I, I imagine this one had to be a little different.
12: Uh, it certainly has been. Um, well, after that little putt dropped, um, I was just bombarded with people, uh, bombarded with kids, my family, friends, um, my my dad, and uh, we've all just had a bunch of media just on me, took a lot of photos, had an award ceremony, did media until around 10 p.m. And I just had to get back to the hotel, um, got back to the hotel, FaceTime friends, um, took a quick breather. And then I slept at around 2.30. So it, it definitely uh, screwed up my sleep schedule a little bit. But this morning, um, had a couple interviews, I was on the Today Show. Later on, I'm going to be on the ESPN Sports Center. So it's just, it's just been hectic. And, you know, starting out the week, it's already been chaotic with a bunch of media, me announcing me as a professional. Um, So, you know, how how fitting it is to call this week a chaotic week uh, from start to end.
7: So There's a lot of expectations on this first professional start. I don't know what you thought a good week would have been, but all right, Saturday night, you have a two shot lead going into your first professional event. You've played in professional events before, but this is your first time playing as a professional. What, what is honestly, what is that Saturday night? Like what is what's going on internally? Have you exceeded your expectations to this point? And now have your goals for the week changed? Are you more nervous going into Sunday? Take us to that situation.
12: For sure. Um, you know, starting the first two days, I knew that, you know, I was for sure going to make the cut after, you know, I finished nine on the second day. And um, however, you know, I still had to stay in the moment. Golf is very unexpected. You never know when you're going to triple, quadruple, etc. cetera. So um, I really had to keep my toes um, toes there. And uh, going into the third round, it was more so just putting up a good score, putting up a decent score that, you know, coincided with what I was doing the last two days. Um, I felt very comfortable out there on the golf course and, you know, shooting that six under was certainly not expected, but I felt like my game was there to where I could um, do so. And um, after the two stroke lead, I I didn't really think about um, me winning until you know that final day um, just because this is so new to me being inside the ropes and LPJ as a professional for the first time so I didn't really think about oh what would it mean if I won um, so you know, push, come, push comes to shove. It's just been an incredible journey, and I couldn't have planned out the week in any better way.
1: How did you uh, How did you manage the final round? I mean, how did you handle emotions? How were you feeling uh, kind of between the ropes? You, you looked as calm as always, but uh, I'm curious how you were feeling.
12: Of course. Um, you know, I'm still human. Uh, I still feel tears, and I feel butterflies. Um, I do feel – I did – Feel relatively calm compared to other final rounds that I've been playing in, um, where I did have substantial lead, because I knew that I had to put a good score up there, Um, especially out here with the best in the world. Um, I couldn't just guide my ball to you know, be next to the hole and um, kind of tap for par. But that's essentially kind of what I had, what I did um, that final round. Um, Fortunately, didn't make a single birdie. That was a little bit on the disappointing side, but I find it pretty admirable that I was able to make a couple pars coming in. And those were very crucial um, for me to maintain my position. That final round played very hard. Liberty National, in general, is a very difficult course. There weren't a lot of low scores out there um, and from what I saw in the live scoring um, afterwards. But, you know, I just had to really grind it out, find it in me to play every single shot the way I should. And if it's out of my control, it's out of my control.
7: Rose, this is you're a professional now. You gotta answer the, the tough questions from media. So so here they come. But uh as somebody that roots for you really, really hard. I've greatly enjoyed watching your your journey. I gotta say, some the Anwa yesterday, you don't have you have a tendency to make it pretty difficult for us at home that are watching this. So make it a little anxious, a little nerve-wracking for us. Uh it's a it's a little bit of a journey. I'm wondering kind of what your you know, reaction is to that, you know, you've obviously had incredible success. You've won almost everything you've played. It just has gotten very interesting at the end. How do you improve on that? How do you make it so it doesn't maybe end up as dramatic as it has the last few times we've seen you on TV? 100%.
12: Um, I think it's still something that I have to work on. Um, Sometimes, even though you're trying to grind it out last day, it's still better to not put yourself in a position where you're vulnerable to the rest of the field. And that's something that I still have to continue working on, even though it's not necessarily me being super nervous. I do want to figure out um, in what ways I can improve my final round to make sure that, you know, I end on um, a good note, or I end on um, a round that, you know, kind of coincides with what I've been doing well the previous couple of days. So that's still something that I want to um, improve on and work on. So I do find a lot of areas of improvement. Um, for example, putting short game, you know, that's always going to be something that I'm going to have to um, tone in on and hone in on for especially upcoming events like major championships and Future LPGA events, um, but I do tend to make things very interesting. I, that's why I felt a little bit more comfortable than I should be in this final playoff, just because I've been at Augusta National in a freaking playoff. So it's <laughs> it's um it's definitely after you do that. Um, any other playoff seems pretty seems mildly okay.
7: <laughs> well, so. It was noteworthy to me, though, too, on this podcast after the ANWA, you said your decision on 15 was one of the worst decisions you've made ever uh, in your golf career. It seemed like you were presented with a lot of those opportunities at Liberty National and and as well at the NCAAs. And when it wasn't there, when you didn't need to force it, you just laid up and you relied on your short game, and it, it was an easy a easy path to victory in both of those. I'm wondering if you learned something from the ANWA and have and have already implemented it because it looks like that to me.
12: Definitely. You know, sometimes going for it and being aggressive uh, will give you rewards but there's greater risks in different situations and especially when you're under pressure it's very hard to get the shot out um, or execute that risky shot when there are a lot of consequences on the line so uh, for what I experienced at ANWAM, it was certainly not a pleasant one. Um, I know that it went the way that I wanted it to, but going forward, you know, you only learn from your mistakes and um, I definitely learned from that one and that allows me to go forward with um, more improvement towards my game. So I feel like um, even after this event, there's a couple things that I did that I feel like I could work on, um, and potentially become better.
1: I want to ask a little bit about this week specifically. And if, if any of the unique kind of nature of that tournament helped you on Sunday, because playing with Anna Davis had to be, and trying to win a, you know, LPGA event had to be kind of a surreal thing that I I would imagine had a bit of a calming effect on you, but I'm curious how you felt.
12: It was super fun throughout the week. I just felt really close to the AJJ juniors. Um, Back in 2021, when I graduated high school, I played my last U.S. girls event, and these are the girls that I've been playing with um, in that final event. So, especially with Anna um, being close with a lot of my teammates at Stanford and being close with a couple of my other friends, um, we just naturally you know, became pretty good friends and uh, throughout the rounds, we've just been making jokes at each other um, because there's a lot of common ground that we have. Um, so just being able to stay comfortable was very pivotal for me and I felt like Anna was just beside me the whole time we were just having a good old round and it was just going to be a fun one, um, one for the memories but even in the weather delays that I was in this past week, um, I was just hanging around five, six juniors and we were just talking about college life and graduation, high school life, high school drama et
1: cetera. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll, we'll get you out of here uh, shortly. I know you got a, a busy day, but I'm curious, you know, it's, it's gotta be quite a whirlwind. I know you've, you've almost, uh, you've composed yourself like a pro for a very, very long time, but I'm curious, how, how's the whirlwind going? How you doing? You, you feeling all right? You feeling overwhelmed? How's, how are things? I'm
2: feeling
12: all right. I feel like I quickly learned how to, you know, shift gears and relax a little bit after a lot of chaotic things happening, but you know, it does take a toll. So the next couple of days I'll just be, I don't, I don't know. I'll just be laying low a little bit, doing my work, finals tests, and um, I'll be hanging around with friends, having good meals. Um, so it's not anything too crazy. I think I keep things relatively simple and I have people around me who keep things simple for me. So I really appreciate that. And that, allows me to just keep grounded and um, do what I need to do to make sure that I'm okay the next couple days.
7: <laughs> Did I hear you still need to move out of your dorm? When? What's the timeline on that? How's that going to get done? Is that, a, is that an accurate story?
12: Yes, it is very much accurate. Um, I am going back to school today, and then I'll be taking a test tomorrow. I've got three more finals coming up, and then I'm moving out the 13th, but then my parents are gonna help me, um, which is good because last year it was right before the U.S. Women's Open, and I had to move out by myself with another teammate. And I'll be going back home for probably three days, and then KPMG is coming up, so I'll be flying back to Jersey.
1: Man, wh- whirlwind. Well, uh, we will uh, we'll let you go get started. What what test are you most worried about? By the way,
12: <laughs> um, I am worried about my cs106a mm. class computer science python is not my language and when you don't have a lot of time to code you you don't really know much of the syntax and there's sure. ai all for that, that so now come on use ai yeah. <laughs> that's
1: good you gotta learn to code in case this golf thing doesn't work out that's that's smart i like it uh-huh. Well, Rose, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Congrats again. We're all so happy for you. Good luck on sports center. Don't say any bad words on TV. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you keep playing in tournaments, we'll, we'll keep catching up with you. All right. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, that was a long beefy couple of days of podcasting and, you know, I want to give a big shout out to our guy, Phil Brame, who is a producer on this podcast. He stitched all this stuff together. Uh, not really sure what we would do without Phil, these days, uh, he is up working late and uh, really making making this podcast sing and putting it out into the world. And so we really appreciate all of his efforts behind the scenes. We don't really have a great feel of what our schedule is going to be going forward here. Obviously, we'll do the Sunday night pod, but depending on how news breaks, I mean, we might do another pod before that. We might do another three pods before that. So. Stay tuned, and we will uh, we will talk to you when we talk to you. But thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Cheers.
0: Be
5: the right club. Be the right club today. Yes,
1: Johnny, that's better than most.
2: How about him? That is better than most. Better than.
10: Expect any- anything-